Hello, everybody. This is Tim Green with Rattle Magazine. Welcome to Rattlecast number 181. So glad you could join me. Uh, today's guest is Kwame Dawes. He'll be here in about 15 minutes. But before we begin, I should say that Rattle's a publication of the Rattle Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit working to promote the practice of poetry. We've been in continuous publication since 1995 and are unaffiliated with any other organization. Uh, we just do this because we love poetry, and I know you do too, so please do click on the like button and share. Make sure you're subscribed. Anything you can do to help spread poetry around the internet would be much appreciated. Uh, before we start with Kwame Dawes, um, we'd like to start with the Poets Respond Poets for the week, and we have two wonderful poems to share with you. Uh, Sunday's poet, Michael Mark, is here. We also have Thomas Mixon, tomorrow's poet as well, a, a twofer this week. And uh, let's talk right now to Michael Mark. Hey, Michael, how you doing? Good, Tim. Great to see you. Yeah, great to see you, too. So um, your poem for this week was about, the, of course, the tragic earthquake that happened in, uh, in Turkey. And um, what can you tell us about, about how the poem came to be? Um, I was actually in the car. I had taken a long ride, and I was going to meet a friend. And I got there early because um, I'm not a I'm, I'm I'm not a fan of driving. So I got there early, and I'm sitting in the car, and I was just thinking, of course, of the tragedy of other things, but of the tragedy, like as you say, and happy I made it because I'm a, kind of a nervous driver at night, and I went through drove through the night, and just sitting in my car and uh, imagining how safe I felt and and not how safe others felt. And what do we do about it? I mean, it's so enormous. These tragedies are so enormous. This one is so enormous. How does one cope with it? What is a human being's responsibility? And I start asking myself questions because I'm alone in the car and no one else to talk to. And that's how it happened. Hmm. Pretty and, much ask myself a question. <laughs> and I remember from uh, your Rattlecast and the interview before that you usually write on your phone. It's the normal way that you do it, right? That's exactly right. I do it on my phone. I Sometimes I type. Sometimes I, I speak into it. This one I I typed from the beginning to end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just it just captures so well what we all feel is where, you know, we're seeing these disasters. We can't do anything about it. We can send money, which which so many of us do. Um, to relief organizations, hoping it actually gets to somebody who needs it. Um, but there's only so much you can do. And that's something that happens, you know, regularly throughout Poets Respond. We've had so many poems trying to address this topic of like, what do you do? Um, and, and how, why do you think poetry is a useful thing to use in response to a, 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 po- a crisis like this? Why is that something that's that's useful to do? Well, I don't know if it's useful to any. And that's my. That's and, and in the poem, it asks the question: Is it useful? I mean, didn't Auden say nothing? Po- poetry doesn't do anything. But um, for me, it's it's an investigative tool, mm-hmm. and I I dig in, and I look, and I you know I uh, examine, and I, I I interrogate myself, and by thoughts, what do I really think? What do I really feel? I test it. Um, and, and hopefully it causes me to be a better person, act better, think clearer, see the world as it is, as I want it to be. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's definitely a poem that, that moved a lot of people. It, it says that, that the kind of thing that we all feel and want to, want to say, um, in this moment like this and like so many other, other tragedies that have happened throughout history. Uh, do you want to go ahead and read the poem when 5,000 people die in an instant? Yeah. 
when 5,000 people die in an instant, how much money do you send? How long do you shake your head for or wait after you see the report uptick to 5,300 before you wonder about lunch? Give some post a like, touch your face, reminding yourself you are still here. This is what it feels like to be alive, the same alive those 5,700 people felt minutes ago. You look up to count the bumps on the popcorn ceiling, try to make it to 5,900, knowing the number will be higher by the time you're half done, is already higher, 6,200, 6,800, and it is too much to count. You close your eyes. Imagine it's you, there, your family, friends. You see each one of them, so close, the pores in their faces, flecks in their eyes, and only move on to the next when you can feel their breath as they breathe their name. How long between misery and luck, and guilt and gratitude, and terror and acceptance and hope, how long between refreshes for updates, guessing at the next number, and putting the 7,300, the 7,600, the 7,900 behind you, deciding to send more money, knowing that it will not be enough, or writing something, knowing even if you're a Nobel laureate, it won't be enough. So you get on a plane. You don't have a ticket. You rush to the airport, wait on standby, take the last middle seat. It doesn't matter how many. It could be even one person you pull from the rubble. They don't have to be a child. They could be anyone, any age, any shape, any color. They don't even have to be alive. They could be one of the 8,000, 9,000, 10,000, 11,000. Now it's 12,000. Now it's 20,000. You dig with your bare hands and reach down and pull them out. It's all you can do, but you won't. You don't. You can't. You don't. Now it's 28,192. Yeah, beautiful poem, Michael, as always. Uh, thanks so much for sharing that. Thanks for joining us today. I'm so glad you could. And um, and just this this poem means a lot to a lot of people and, and expresses what we all feel, I think. Uh, you know, you wish if you could do something. You know, that's kind of what the desire that we all have when things like this happen is that, God, what can I do? Right? What can you do? And now, Tim, I mean, you know, it's it, when I wrote this poem, you know, I, I update. I updated it. I try to keep it updated. Now it's thirty six thousand. Yeah, it's incomprehensible. It really is. So many lives. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I don't know what good it does. I don't know. Yeah. Well, it does though. It does good. So thanks so much for sharing that, Michael, and oh, and for joining pleasure. us tonight. Yeah, always a pleasure talking to you and sharing your poems. Thank you, Tim. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, that was Michael Mark with When 5,000 People Die in an Instant, a uh, poem about the, the tragic earthquake in Turkey. Uh, let's go next to uh, tomorrow's poem and have a preview of that. Thomas Mixon is here, his first time in Rattle. Uh, hey, Thomas, how you doing? 
Good. How are you, Tim? I'm great. It's great to great to see you for the first time. Um, so your poem. Thanks for having me. Yeah, your poem every Friday. Tell us what it's about. No one's read it yet. It's the poem that's going to be arriving in everybody's inbox tomorrow. So tell us okay. uh, what inspired the poem and, and what it is. On Valentine's Day, right? Yeah, exactly. It's a weird. <laughs> yeah. I didn't think of it as a Valentine's poem until I was deciding between which poem to publish on Sunday and which to Tuesday. And then I thought, well, hey, there's a Valentine's Day poem for you, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wasn't thinking that either. I wrote it on Friday night. I wrote it on Friday night after we had, at that point, it was the second object. And I now, now there's more, but, you know, the, we were hearing these things, these unknown objects in the sky. And I was just thinking back to the phrase shot down and just thought back to middle school and getting uh, rejected at middle school dances and the drama of that time period. And, uh, you know, that, that inter- it was an integral period of my life and sort of the cusp of growing up. And that also like really close to like just a little bit before that was still believing in Santa, was remembering back to being so sure driving in Southern New Hampshire with my family, so sure that I saw something glowing up there on Christmas Eve. Yeah, and and so I haven't been able to uh, see the news lately uh, in the last few days. But uh, are there, are there more? You you mentioned more. I think there was something shut down in Canada or something. I, I va- have vague sort of glimpses of what's going on. <laughs> right. Yeah. There, yes. There's been a few more. Um, mm-hmm. We don't we don't know right now, and uh, you know who knows what I mean. Not just what's happening up there, but I mean you know I. I love listening to stuff about astronomy, astronomy, and I think um, it was like Avi Loeb was saying too that you know I think it was a few years ago that they detected Oumuamua. Um, oh yeah, that's like the first, right? Too. Yeah, that yeah, happened. the first, the one that we know about from outside the solar system, the asteroid, and that you know it was fairly big, but I think that there are things that are the size of cars or maybe you know size of our laptops that are just constantly, constantly up in outer space and just you know we're not aware of it, so. Yeah, a, yeah, for sure. It's fascinating that that Amuamua, which was like a, a cigar shaped like right. rock somehow. I don't know how that happens at the size <laughs> that it was in flying by Earth at one time. And the weird thing about that was, I guess it was in some kind of like galactic stationary orbit, like a like a geostationary orbit would be. So we kind of like flew past it more than it flew to us. I guess it I, sped up after it left. Yeah, us. yeah very little, strange. Little, yeah, that is yeah. strange. So well, so this mid- yeah yeah. yeah. So, well, I'd say middle school is strange. <laughs> it definitely school, is. So that's, it was all going in my head. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, so, so how do you come up with that first metaphor? Because the, the, the first line of the poem, every Friday growing up, I get a chance to get shot down, which is a perfect <laughs> a perfect description of uh, maybe yeah. both Valentine's Day and, uh, and, and Friday nights in middle school, and uh, it just fits perfectly. How did, that, how did you yeah. make that connection? Well, I, I think I was just thinking about the phrase shot down and I was thinking about, you know, during every Friday, it was it was either a, a middle school dance or there was something at the Boys and Girls Club. And, you know, always throughout that, you know, growing up and you feel so big and bold and you're asking someone to dance. And then, you know, at the end, you have to you get a ride home. And in my case, it was a ride home with my mom. <laughs> like you're sort of brought back down to the level. And, um, you know, yeah, I just I had just moved, you know, right before middle school started, I moved to a new town. So it was a new chance to. Um, just be a completely different person. Like I traded in football and basketball and and running for uh, a guitar. And I think my best friend, I think from almost 30 years ago now, I think is watching this right now live. And he sort of tricked me to be in his band. Um, so a lot of, a lot of, a lot of trauma back then that I wouldn't want to relive, but it was, is nice to revisit and, uh, mine creatively. So. Uh-huh. Well, that's perfect. Well, let's hear this poem and also a poem that in rhyming couplets, which is something we don't see very often too. Um, So let's hear this. Every Friday. Go ahead whenever you're ready. Okay. Every Friday. 
Every Friday, growing up, I get a chance to get shot down. I'd ask someone to dance, and mostly they'd say no. I'd say okay, and plan next Friday's move. On the fray of the middle school cafeteria, I'd tilt my head in time with music. I'd jilt anyone who tried to comfort me until the lights came on. I'd flee into my mother's minivan, wishing it a smaller car. She'd be fishing for some idea of how things went. I'd say something false, like I meant it, something I assumed she wanted to hear. I was dull and daunted by the week ahead. I'd look out the window, remember how devout I was three years before. I'd sworn back then I saw the glowing horns and nose of Rudolph in the sky. Maybe it had started as a lie, I'd said, but I'd known what I saw. Till puberty, I believed in Santa. Every Friday, after aches and hair consumed my body, I would spare no mental expense, imagining the one I'd choose, fashioning them into everything no single person could be. I didn't mingle with the children chickening out. I only felt the sickening dread until the first slow song, upon which I would make the long journey to the one that could forever change Friday's bad luck and sever everything that was from what could be. The times that someone would agree were rare, but worth it. Afterward, I'd fly, not run. A newborn bird expecting trees, but only finding sky. I'd open the van's door and wouldn't lie to my mother. I'd ask if she recalled the Christmas light I'd been enthralled by back when I was young. She'd say, you're still young. I'd say no. And she would sigh. And while she drove, guess where I looked? And sort of buried behind look. I've never seen that before. How did you, uh, why did you decide to do that at the end? I think I was looking for that. I think it probably was Sky. <laughs> and, and I was like, you know, this is, it, it doesn't feel right. And, um, you know, sometimes that thwarted expectation is what, is what makes something exciting. You get a lot of that. You get a lot of the expected rhymes ahead of that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, to, to go against that expectation is kind of fun. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. kind of something you think about when you're young, when you're, when you're writing maybe not great poetry in middle school. And then maybe some of that's the stuff that I'm trying to, you know, as I get older, try to get back to because try to get back to that funness, try to get back to that openness. Yeah, for sure. Well, great poem. That's going to be tomorrow's poem every Thank Friday you. by Thomas Mixon. Thanks so much for joining us, Thomas. It's been great to talk to you and, and share this poem. Thanks for choosing it. Yep. Love it. Yep. Take care. Bye. Bye. Yeah, it was Thomas Mixon with Every Friday. That's going to be um, tomorrow's poem on Tuesday at rattle.com. Now we're going to take a quick break, and it might be a long break because Kwame Dawes is not here yet. So I'll try to find uh, where he is and uh, get in touch with him in just a bit. But uh, hold tight, and I will be right back. Uh, Don't forget, though, that we also have open lines at the end of the show. 
um, or maybe right now. So if you have a poem to share, have it ready, and we'll uh, we'll talk about poems. We'll share poems. The prompt for this week um, was to write a haiku sequence. So if you have a haiku sequence, get ready to share that. But share anything you'd like. Uh, poems about current events, poems that were published recently and you're proud of. Anything you would like to share, feel free to do so during the open lines, which is either in an hour or uh, in five minutes. We'll see. So uh, sit tight, and I'll be right back with Kwame Dawes, hopefully. Okay, bye. Well, we're back. Uh, so thanks for your patience. I still don't have Kwame Dawes. I tried to uh, give him a call. I emailed him. We'll see if he can join us in a little bit. Uh, maybe the time zones got confusing. It is. He's on Central Time in Nebraska. So maybe that was an issue. I'm not sure. But, um, but Kwame Dawes is not here yet. But maybe we'll get to us. So you know what we're going to do is go to Open Lines and uh, you can share poems. So have a poem ready. Let's fill up as much time as we can. Um, here is the... Let's see. I'll, I'll share the link right now on Zoom, which means if, if Kwame ends up joining us, you'll be on the Zoom with Kwame in the green room, uh, which will always be fun. But here we'll post the, the Zoom link on uh, Facebook and YouTube. And if you'd like to join us, click the Zoom link and share a poem or as many as you'd like. We'll have a we'll kill time until Kwame gets here. That's the plan for any time a guest doesn't show up. And um, hopefully everything's all right. But uh, probably just a time zone issue. I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, at 6.10 or at uh, at 7.10 he was there. But let's see what happens. So uh, we'll pin this message. Um, and we'll just chill and uh, talk and share some poems. I think that's what we're going to do. So uh, let's see. So that both messages are deployed. Now, if you'd like to share poems, let me, let me do the whole open lines thing, okay? If you'd like to share poems, go to open mic. That's open M-I-C at rattle.com. Email your poems there. Uh, and then I can share them on screen. I'll log into my uh, open mic account right now. Uh, I'll share them on screen and uh, if you send them that way. So we have poems already by uh, who? Caitlin Buxbaum sent one. We got Sharon Ferrante. We got Guy Chambers, Susan Talley, Dick Westheimer, who I see right here. Uh, Michael Dillon Welch is going to come back to share poems that he didn't get to share last week as we kind of stretched it talking about uh, haiku. Uh, Karen Marker's got some. So if you'd like to share a poem, email it to openmic, that's openmic at rattle.com, then find us on Zoom at, uh, uh, at the link that I deployed on the chat windows on Facebook or YouTube. I'll keep an eye out for Kwame. I left a message and emailed. So hopefully he'll see that and show up or reply and let us know what's happening. But um, there we go. So let's go. Well, first of all, I guess we could do the, the, the prompt poem. So the prompt for this week was to write a, a haiku series um, and we wanted to have one line from the series repeat throughout the poem that was the goal so it was a haiku sequence that did that how do we phrase it we said write a linked haiku sequence in which each haiku includes a line from the previous haiku and so here is mine um, and this was i was hiking with the kids like you know an hour before the show and uh, i noticed this this thing this the way if you've ever watched um, or looked at a path that, that people have walked on for a long time. There's like a dip where the earth actually makes a divot. And, um, and that, that divot is called a desire path, where people have walked somewhere so long that it makes its own path that nobody designed. And so here's a series of haiku. I'm not sure if this works at all, um, but, but this is what we had, desire path. So here's the haiku for, for my, or the haiku for myself, the haiku sequence for the, for the prompt. <clears throat> 
Uh, here we go. Desire path. Our feet, a kind of language, desire path. Shortest distance between two points, desire path. Those hands on the bones of your hips, desire path. The sign says, do not walk on the grass, desire path. She looked, he looked quickly away, desire path. There is no grass, the earth worn smooth, desire path. They built a fence, we made a new desire path. Rows of stones now mark the way, desire path. So I don't know. I mean, I, I repeated the same phrase as Michael Mark or Michael Dylan Welch did in his poem "Separation from Rattle." I thought that'd be fun to try. Uh, we'll see what it is. But now let's go to um, <laughs> Michael Dylan Welch. Speaking of Michael, um, hey Michael, good to see you again. I guess we have a bonus haiku. Let, let's take as much time as we want and uh, share some haiku. How are you doing tonight, Michael? Oh, I do need to turn on. Yeah, just one second. We will screen share. That is security screen share. Yeah. Got to it last last week. Uh, so thank you for the opportunity this week. Um, and it's sort of similar to the separation piece. Uh-huh. Um, but I the cool pandemic project is that I've made animated PowerPoints out of out of sequences. So that's that's what I have to share today. Yeah, that's right. So, well, screen sharing should be on, so go ahead and screen share. And, of course, this was last week's guest, Michael Dylan Watch. If you want to learn more about haiku, if there's anything you need to learn about it, uh, feel free to uh, watch last week's episode with Michael where um, uh, he shared so much excellent insight into haiku. But here is a – this is screen sharing, and this is, like, huge. Let me see. Oh, I have to do, like, this. There we go. That's better. Okay, so now we have you and we have the haiku, Michael, so we're good to go. Okay, so this is forgiveness, and I will. Uh, some things are are visible on screen. You, if you're just listening, you won't see what's going on on screen. Um, and it starts with a quotation from Mahatma Gandhi: "Weak can never forgive. Forgiveness is an attribute strong." The cowboy hat, never let me wear. Forgiven. Carolers at the door. Forgiven. Forgiven. My mailbox empty again. Fresh snow at the train station. Forgiven. Bits of soap still in the dish, forgiven. A child's voice calling from off stage, forgiven. A suicide note, bottom of the drawer. Apple pie cooling on the counter. Forgiven. Forgiven. My Christmas letter turned to sender.
car radio left off fire trip. We're given walking the gallery long. Cereal bowl with leftover milk. Given. Toast redwood now on its side. Forgiven. Forgiven. An outdoor chess set off. Confederacy statue in the downtown park. Pigeons parading along the dance hall roof. Forgiven. The iron grate elevator chimes at each floor. Forgiven. Toothpicks scattered. Forgiven. Dewdrops on the tips of the gift cactus. Forgiven. Cleaning the holes of the garlic press. Forgiven. Seed packet included with your letter. Forgiven. Harp strings wavering. Walk by. Forgiven. An unused plane ticket to Mazatlan. Given. All the buttons for junk drawer. Forgiven. 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 Way home. All green points. Yeah, it's a great series of, of uh, haiku there, Michael. So what can you tell us about the way, um, how many of those have you done and what draws you to do that repeating the same word style haiku? It's, it's really interesting always because you know, it, there's a way that it sets up how you know what's coming. And so it, it plays with expectation in an interesting way too. And then it's sort of like you see how far you can go and, and, how, you know, how, and then come back to it too. It's a really interesting dynamic that you play out with that. So, so how did you think of doing haiku that way? And, and how many of these have you done? Because we, we did the whole hydrogen uh, jukebox sequence last week. We have the separation yeah. from rattle. Um, so, so what is it that draws you to this style of haiku? Um, it's, there's a, an energy that's both lost and then reclaimed repetition of the word i think mm -hmm. um and that's fascinated me and particular words i think work well um uh so you published in rattle uh separation 
and it, it's conceptual and forgiven is somewhat conceptual, but each one is paired with something concrete, I, I hope, uh, in the haiku vein. And that makes a difference. And yeah, it plays with expectations and timing. Some of the visual presentation uh, on screen is plays with that expectation by moving it around or changing the timing. Um, I also did a book, Tanya McDonald from Neo Oasis Press uh, a few years ago called Seven Suns, Seven Moons that also explores this repetition. Um, and there's there's a particular pattern and sequence that we both followed. Um, I actually wrote my half and shared it with, with Tanya. And then miraculously, she mirrored the same thing. And I was, wasn't expecting that at all. And it was really fun to see the, the sharing of energy. Um, on the other hand, I feel like maybe maybe I've explored it. So I don't know. <laughs> well, very interesting. Well, thanks so much for sharing that, Michael. It's uh, always great having you on and uh, to talk to Haiku and everything else. So uh, thanks for joining us again after uh, last week. Thank you. Yep. Thanks a lot. That was Michael Dylan Welch with another uh, Haiku sequence. And now let's go, uh, we'll just go in the order. We'll go through poets right now and see how that goes. Let's go next to uh, Dick Westheimer. Hey, Tim. Hey, Dick. How are you doing tonight? Good. I'm, I am like the rest of us. Sorry that uh, we have a timing issue and hope that I get inter- interrupted in the middle of my poem. <laughs> well, definitely. We'll let you read your poem if uh, if Kwame comes. I, I bet he'll come. Uh, and, you know, he's in Central Time, so it might be that they just, you know, saw Eastern Time and thinking it was Central, and then he'll be here. And We'll, we'll definitely go until uh, 6... 6.15 and see what happens. Um, but uh, anyway, uh, what do you have for us tonight that you'd like to share? And I think we could do, uh, we could do two poems because we have, uh, this is all discombobulated and we'll see what happens. But uh, but we have time. We're killing time. Well, I'll, here I'll do my, I'm sorry. Uh, I'll do my haiku sequence that I emailed in. Okay, great. Um, and how was it to write this? It was, was it something that was uh, tricky or was it something that, that went well? Well, one, one haiku is tricky enough. Yeah, that's for so, sure. Yeah, you know, it's hard to find, it was hard to find a rhythm for me. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I found the first two pretty easily. And then um, my head got in the way. Yeah. So, which is tough with a haiku is, it, you know, just sort of like to suspend all of that um, and just try to get as simple as possible. So I'm not sure if it worked. But I don't do the prompt poem very often. I did this one, so I thought I'd give it a try. Uh Sounds good. Let's hear it. Okay. And the first one, incidentally, was came from the earthquake. And but that's sort of not where it ended up. Trembling beneath the surface, a fault. A robin sings. Worms awaken beneath the surface. In the sugar maple, a robin sings, sap buckets brim. A twig falls in the sap bucket. The farmer licks his fingers. The farmer licks his fingers, trembling beneath the surface. Yeah, very interesting poem. Thanks for sharing that, Dick. And and definitely that I, I like repetition through haiku. It's really interesting uh to have to hear these uh trembling beneath the surface of fault. Yeah. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, and and you know, I tried to bring 
uh, the last one has something from each of the previous uh, for some, you know, uh, is all lines that were already used. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. Um, so while you're here, you have a, um, a new book out. Do you want to share and, and like show just what it's about? Um, the, the new book about uh, poems after Ukraine? Yeah, sure. I have it on my desk because I well, during the podcast, I was going to do uh, some um, inscribing for folks who order it. Oh, it's called A Sword in Both Hands, and it's uh, poems responding to Russia's war in Ukraine. And they're actually all, with the exception of maybe one or two poems I wrote for Poets Respond mm -hmm. um, in 25 weeks of the war. Oh, wow. That's and, interesting. I didn't realize that. Um, yeah, I don't think I uh, would have... I often wrote a poem about something else during that period of time, so maybe not even submitted it. Mm -hmm. um, but it was stimulated sort of, I wrote a poem before the war, which is in the book. Um, and then um, uh, Julia uh, Kolchinsky-Desbach came on with her poem, uh, Mirror in Ukraine, I believe was the one that she read. And I was so, so stirred by it. And then a couple of days later, she held a poetry reading uh, 800 people were on the reading. Oh, wow. Uh, oh, I remember that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And there were po poets who were like r reading their poems from bomb shelters, uh, you know, and, and, you know, with with bombs going off. And then the translators were translating in real time. And it was just this experience where, where um, I made a very close connection uh, with with folks there. And, and, and at that time, Odessa was under... Uh, you know, is at risk and, you know, it has a big Jewish population mm -hmm. and, and likely have family that was there back in the day. Um, so I was just compelled to sort of like respond week after week to either a picture or um, a story coming out mm -hmm. of there or Russia or here. There, there are poems about how many of us or I did reacted to nuclear threats. Um, and uh, it came together and uh, uh, it started coming together. And then uh, the publisher contacted me and asked me if I had a chapbook. And I said, not yet. <laughs> um, but I know, I know, uh, I, I, I know one that I'd like to do. And so um, Julia helped me connect with a, an artist in Russia who did the cover art. Mm -hmm. And um, I've made a lot of connections with uh, Ukrainian folks and all the, uh, proceeds from the sale of the book go to support Trust Chain Ukraine. Oh, that's great. Which is a, a charity of volunteers who get people out of harm's way mm -hmm. in, in Ukraine. Yeah. Um, well, very cool. Well, thanks for sharing so, that, Dick. And yeah, we'll have to have, uh, you know, talk about doing something about, you know, as a rattlecast in the future for that book. And uh, yeah, for sure. Well, that, that would be my pleasure. I'd yeah. love to. Very cool. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Dick. Always a pleasure. Yeah. Uh, so um, I think I'll read the poem. Um, as, as you probably saw a Facebook post. I said Michael wrote the poem that I tried to write. Oh, so I yes. won't read the. <laughs> That's true. I won't read the poem that I sent in that that I tried to write. But I have another one. This one's uh, for what it's worth. I think it's called on your end, and it's about the train derailment in. Uh, yeah, Austin. I wanted to ask my my mom actually called me. And ask if you were safe because she knows you're in like southeastern Ohio. How far is <laughs> it from you? <laughs> oh, it's it's uh, I'm in the southwest, and that's oh, you're in the in southwest. The oh, okay. Far far east. Mm -hmm. It's very near um, the Pennsylvania border. Mm -hmm. 
And it's just, there's an untold story here that keeps unfolding, that it turned out that they set those things, they set all the gases loose mm -hmm. so they could open up the tracks again. Oh, really? It was not primarily with the safety of the people of that town in mind. Mm -hmm. um, it was, or, or at least this is sort of what the journalism is exposing now. It may or may not be true. Yeah. So you can well, quote it, me. I wouldn't be surprised. It sounds like the kind of thing that we tend to do. <laughs> just remember like the Deepwater <laughs> Horizon, you know, and just dump that Corexit or whatever it was called all over the, the Gulf, you know. So yeah. well, and, get and rid that's, of it as fast um, as possible. And as you'll see in my my poem, I'm not really unhappy about that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I am, of course. I'm aghast. Yeah. But, you know, um, the poem reveals a sort of, or revealed to me something a little different. So uh, for what it's worth is what the poem is called. And you have it up? Uh, I, what it's worth to me? Did you change the title since then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I changed the title. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. Uh, close enough. Yeah. Every moment of every day, poison flows through the veins of the USA in rail cars, carrying the death of everything, threatening every cell of every city and every town, every breathing lung of America. What is it that flows through your veins that brings death inside you? What is it that smolders? What odorless gas breathes in and out of you? What is ready to explode in that body of yours? For me, it's the stuff that feeds my reptile brain, the wires and pipes, the machines made of monomers and chlorothenes, keys and cases and car parts. I will set the world ablaze, I tell you. Any chance I get, I will burn chlorine bright so long as I've got the newest PC with a billion, billion bits and bytes and the brilliant shine on my five-star rated TV. And what's it all worth to me? Obviously, the burning lungs and houses, the tumors and dead in somewhere else, USA, zip code, infinity. Yeah, great poem. I definitely relate through the the forest fires issue. That's kind of how I feel about it too. Uh, what's it worth to me, or, or what it's worth to me, or whatever variation of the title you want. But thanks for sharing that. Yeah, another, yeah. Another... So, yeah the, the title didn't kind of live up to the poem, but uh -huh. I ran out of time at two o'clock in the morning. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. So, so could you see the the effects of that? Like, are you close enough to see like a, a crazy oh, sunrise no, no, no. or anything Listen, like that? I, well, I'm I'm sure. You know, the prevailing winds take stuff uh, the other direction, yeah. but we're hundreds of miles. Mm -hmm. I mean, Ohio's not as big as California, but, it, you know. It might be. It's huge, I wonder. Right. Yeah. But, no, this is this is upriver. It's near the Ohio River. Mm -hmm. um, but, no, it was just, um, you know, you look at this town and realize that rail lines flow through everything. Mm -hmm. And and while, while there are only 500 derailments, that spill toxic materials a year only, uh, which yeah. is a lot less than it used to be. Mm -hmm. um, it's just, it's the price that we pay for um, our five-star TVs and our newest PCs and anything in this case that has PVCs in it. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, yeah. Or, or, and I bet it's the first time you've had chlorothenes. <laughs> I think it is. I can't recall. I wish uh, Google, or, uh, Submittable was, was that precise where I could, <laughs> could search for every you know word in every single poem and yeah, every, submitted, every, but uh, but it, it probably it actually, is. 
yeah where it actually fits in the rhythm of a poem mm -hmm. so that's uh <laughs> that works but yeah i mean it, it's a it's am i going to stop ordering my stuff knowing that this mm -hmm. is happening well i'll have a show of hands of anybody who's going to quit <laughs> quit their consumer yeah. just because you know people are being poisoned in eastern ohio mm -hmm. yeah that's that's the world these days but but thanks for putting it so well dick a great poem as always Thanks, Tim. Yep. Take care. Uh, see you, Kwame. Thanks. Bye. Yeah. That was Dick Westheimer with uh, two poems, uh, What It's Worth to Me. And uh, the other one was, it was a while ago, the other one was the prompt poem, The Haiku se or the Earth Awakens Wild Haiku Series. Um, next, let's go to, we have some first-time callers here. I think we'll go to the first-time callers next and see who, who we've got. So we have um, Pat Obachowski uh, on the line here. Yeah. Hi. Hey, I'm definitely a first time. Yeah, so glad to have you here. So, uh, so where are you Thanks. calling from? First of all, it's always fun to have first time well, callers. Yeah, I'm calling from uh, just outside of San Francisco, ah, a little uh -huh. bit south. Mm -hmm. And what do you have that you'd like to share? Well, I have uh, a haiku that was uh, written on the prompt from today, uh, about to you know include a line from the previous haiku. Uh -huh. So I took it. Actually, I I just. I include the line from the previous line is actually what I did, but this is um, my haiku really pattern after the five seven five. Mm -hmm. I wake. Okay, go. Oh yeah, go ahead. Yeah, sure. Excellent. Okay, I wake to the sun and reach out to grab the day. I touch a ray of light. I touch a ray of light and feel the warmth on my skin. I am filled with joy. I am filled with joy. I sense my journey is safe. I am on my way. I am on my way. My adventure has started. What will I look for? What will I look for when I see the road ahead? I will look for love. I will look for love where you cannot see it now. I can see it now. I can see it now. I feel this must be the way I walk it boldly. I walk it boldly and fold into my new world, never looking back. Ah, that's excellent. That is a, a haiku sequence. I, I wake to the sun. And I just, I do love the way that the repetition rolls through this this form of poems. I love how you did it too, with the actual repetition coming between the last line becoming the first line. It's a really neat linked haiku. Thanks so much for sharing that. Thank you. Yeah, mm -hmm. I hope you can share something again in the future. It's really nice to see new faces. Excellent. Thanks for the invitation, Tim. Yeah, thanks a lot. Yeah, excellent. That was uh, um, uh, Pat Obachowski with uh, a haiku sequence for uh, for the prompt this week. And let's go to um, Nancy Sabanik. Hi, Tim. Hey, Nancy. Yeah, glad to have you on. So where are you calling from? I live in Lyman, Maine, which oh. is in southern Maine. Mm -hmm. That's a state I've never been to, but I kind of, I, I imagine I would love living there, I think. <laughs> we have winter. <laughs> yeah, well, we have winter where I am. I'm up 6,000 feet. So we have, we're in a winter storm warning right now, actually, even though the skies are blue and I don't know what they're thinking, but supposedly <laughs> there might snow tonight. Um, so what do you have you'd like to share? Well, it's not a prompt poem. Is that okay? Oh, yeah. Any, anything you want. Anything is fair game. Uh, like I said, I said, you know, poets respond poems are good. Poets that were published recently. Something you wrote this week and you're happy with. Anything anybody would like to share is great. So let's see what you got. Okay. Thank you. I yeah. sent it to open mic. Yep. It's I have called... it right here. Mm -hmm. Wrong one. Sorry. 
You don't have to screen share either. I have it on. You just read your own version, and uh, I have it on screen okay. for everybody at home. Yeah. Anonymity, and we're all along for the ride. A bus ride to the end of night. So many starts and stops. The stations all look the same. Tiled floors and benches. Glaring, bright, fluorescent lights. That empty coffee maker. And I'm standing here, wishing, cup in hand. Along the way, I've seen the rich enter edifices to curate their funds. Hedges and accoutrements show that they've got game. Capitalism, that runaway train, carries grifters and gifted alike. The sparkle shines on both, and no one's the wiser. The poor pay rent, freely give away their art under the skin of black and glow of street lamps. Walls flow with fat spray can birds winging into flight. Brilliant plumes transcend dismal gray concrete, a gallery of hope to fight the machine. Both sport the same Air Jordan Nikes. Here on the news, a tectonic fit has hit. Mudslides enshroud the poor, tumble mansions into matchsticks, and the floods sweep the Ferrari with the Ford. Impossible to tell by the surface, heroic for mundane, Bluetooth dangle or handheld cell. We're all just talking to ourselves, and no one's the wiser. Yeah, I love that line, the floods sweep the Ferrari and the Ford. Uh, that's so great. Um, and so, so what inspired this poem? How did it come to be? Um, I don't know. It's just a, a trying to juxtapose um, the conflicts between the rich and the poor and how much we're really alike more than different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, really well done. An- anonymity, and we're all along for the ride. Thanks so much for sharing that and joining us tonight. Thank you. Yep, thanks. Yeah, that was uh, Nancy Sabanik with uh, anonymity and we're all along for the ride. Uh, next, let's go to um, Caitlin Buxbaum is here. Caitlin hasn't been on in a while. That's true. Hey, I was... Caitlin. Yeah. What have you been up to? A lot. And I was just <laughs> looking it up. It's been six months. Since six I, months. Wow. Well, um, you, you look on here. just as good as always. It's great to see you again. <laughs> like no time Thanks. has passed. Um, yeah, pretty so, much. So what do you have to share? Um, well, I have a haiku sequence that's just three haiku, and then I have a triolet that was a poet's respond poem. Ah, excellent. Um, yeah. So, so what have you been up to, though? How, how's, how's life been? So, um, let's see. Well, I'm digging because you, you're going to an MFA program I saw on Twitter. That's what I'm asking. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, I was going to mention that. Um, I started teaching eighth grade language arts in October uh-huh. um, full time. So, I went back to the classroom full time and then realized that that's still not what I want to do. So at least not at that level. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, last week, um, I was home sick with COVID for the first time. Ah, um, so I missed an entire, entire week of work. Uh-huh. Um, but during that week I got the call from the MFA program that I got accepted. So, um, hooray, exciting things. Um, yeah, and, and which program is that? Where are you going to be? It's at uh, Antioch University in L.A., but it's oh. a low residency, so uh-huh. I won't be there the whole time. So, um, But I'm, I'm going to be there this summer for 10 days, so um, I'll try and see as much of California as I can in that time, probably. Yeah, well, very cool. Um, but yeah, so my haiku sequence, uh-huh. um, I actually attended... Uh, 
Poetry Society of New Hampshire workshop with Jimmy Pappas mm-hmm. um, featuring Michael Dylan Welch. Um, so we talked maybe a year ago um, and and had some interesting conversations about haiku and disagreements. Um, I, I would like to say, I, I think I've come round to most of his opinion now. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Um, uh-huh. But I struggled with this sequence because I, and this is something I've had a problem with um, haiku for a while, is because I try... Often what happens is I'll write it in English and then I'll write it in Japanese and then I'll write it in English again Uh (laughs) and have some back and forth. And I do that because I want to um, have the Japanese syllable count correct and then I'm less concerned with how many syllables there are for the English. But there are there's a way of writing where it makes it it made it unclear to me, like what counts as a syllable in Japanese. So. I finally figured it out. <laughs> um, there's this website I will put in the chat later, but mm-hmm. a Japanese poet friend of mine yeah. showed it to me and she explained mm-hmm. some things. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. finally, well, I think I got it. But Mora. So it's like um, the, 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 well, right. the sort of the movement. It's like less than a phoneme somehow and, and more than a morpheme. Right. It's like in between the two. And it's any kind of like shift in... In, in the way that you're saying a sound, <laughs> I guess, is that, is that right. a good d- explanation? Um, yes, and I think it will be clearer after we show the other stuff on screen. So uh-huh. for people who are just listening, you're missing out. Okay, well, but... find us on YouTube, and I, hopefully we'll, we'll still post this on, on, uh, on the podcast, hopefully. Yeah, let's see. So here we go with the, uh, we have the Japanese too. So do you, how, how familiar with Japanese are you? I double majored in English and Japanese in, oh, very cool. in uh-huh. my undergrad. Um, and I've, I spent a semester there and I um, went and visited a couple of years ago. So I'm not, I'm not fluent. Um, exactly. <laughs> I can, I can hold a simple conversation. Um, and I, I've always been a very bookish person. And so I think my writing is sometimes better than my speaking because mm-hmm. <laughs> it's less scary to actually talk to people. <laughs> but anyway, I'll quit talking and read the poem and explain. Yeah, yeah, it. let's hear it. Yeah. Okay. So here we go. On the left, I don't know how much you guys can see on the screen. Yeah, they see it all. Okay. So on the left, the left column is obviously the English. The middle column is Japanese with kanji. So written like how it would be written um in japan but on the right i have it just in hiragana so you can see what you call the mora so i'll explain that one after i read it okay cool so the english version first and then i'll read the japanese version snow falls in morning light ill still still ill at my window kneeling A moose kneels and eats, still chill. Hmm. And I know you're not really supposed to be rhyming with haiku, but I like to break the rules. So I'll read the Japanese now. Yuki ga furi, asa niko ni, mada byoki. Mada byoki, watashi no mado de hizamazuku. Herajika wa hizamazuku hami, mada reiki. So, if you look at the right column, mm-hmm. and also I think I made a typo in the Japanese. Um, 
Well, I don't know how many how many viewers can read that anyway. Yeah, so I think you're My, fine. Michael might be the only one. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, so anyway, in the first haiku on the right, if mm -hmm. you look at the second line, um, it's a sa ni, and then that little character in between is called a tsu, and it doesn't actually make a sound. Uh -huh. And so I struggled because I thought that shouldn't count in the seven because mm -hmm. it doesn't make a sound. Yeah, but then I read this sense. website yeah. and it actually does count. Ah, interesting. So if you count those characters, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, but mm -hmm. it doesn't sound like it. So the middle four um, make the sound nico. So that like that little two is like a glottal stop. Uh -huh. um, so that was just something interesting I learned last week in this exercise. It's like, oh, okay, that counts. Even though like to my ears, it doesn't make sense for that to count. Hmm. Um, and then... If on the next line, the third line of that first haiku, um, you'll see the fourth character is a little bit smaller. Uh -huh. um, that's yo. And when small yo is combined with another character that ends in a vowel, it becomes a glide. So oh, wow. even though if you look at that line, it looks like six characters, mm -hmm. but actually that the middle two only count as one as byo. Um Instead of bio, it's bio, and that counts as one. So, fun Japanese facts for all of you. <laughs> well, that's really interesting. So, it's even more, it's more common or, or more complicated than I thought uh, it is always, but it's, it's even more complicated than that, I guess, because the, there's so many different variations of the way you can count. In the same way, I guess, if you're talking about a formal poet in English, you know, we have iambic feet and different kinds of feet, and you can disagree about which one, you know, should this be a stress, and if you have, you know, like, uh, you know, seven un unstressed, you know, things, but then then five stressed is the one stressed because the, the it, it needs to be stressed for the sake of the poem. <laughs> like there's all these kind of complications, and I guess yeah. that's the case with haiku too, huh? I definitely get bogged and bogged down in those sorts of things, but I like form because it it gives me a starting point sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, and I always think about when you had Rena Espiat on, and she talked about form being like a box and you sit in the box and you kick at it um kind of thing and i just i really love that mm -hmm. so yeah yeah definitely it's very interesting uh the the uses of form I, I to me it's it's the form is a way to turn off the left brain and that that sort of focus thing and then you get the the creative side of yourself because you, you sort of give the the uncreative side of yourself, something to juggle and be distracted by. I think that's what form basically does. Uh, but really cool. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that, uh, Caitlin, and a lot of uh, interesting things to look at there. Mm -hmm. um, well, I don't want to uh, – I see we have more people here. So. You know, we're just killing time. If you have another poem, I mean, what the heck? Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, because it's another short one. Um, I sent. I sent that – also as an attachment in the same email. Yeah, I, I see that here too. And okay. this is, is this written in it's two different languages again, but is it? Uh, yep. This was my first attempt French? at French translation. Um, I am very much a beginner, but I was like, you know what? Who cares? I'm going to try it. Um, <laughs> and also like my, the MFA program that I'm going to do, they have, um, you can like, have a double concentration so if you want to do poetry and fiction you can do that but now they have one for translation so acting like translation is its own genre oh, that's really neat and yeah. they also like no matter what you choose there's at least one required translation class oh, and i great. asked about that and they have you translate languages that you don't know so that idea that just made me think like well 
there's, you know, why, why have I thought that I couldn't do that? I can, it could be wrong. It doesn't matter. <laughs> like the, yeah, that's true. I was talking to uh, AM Jester about something similar. Cause he, he's translating languages. He doesn't know. And I thought you can do that. <laughs> he's like, yeah, you can do whatever you want. It's a free world. Exactly. Yeah. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> so, okay. So let's hear this, this French translation, a harbinger. Um, yeah. So I'll read the, the English truly first harbinger. Shot from the Arctic sky, we've downed a reasonable threat, the president says. Why? Shots from the Arctic sky, some say, are enough to risk a lie. But paranoia is poison in our gullets, a shot of Arctic sky. We down this reasonable threat. Hmm. And I know I didn't use the lines exactly the same. Again, I like to break the rules. I actually had somebody tell me this was not a triolet because I did not use like the exact same wording <laughs> for certain lines. But anyway, um, and if you don't know, um, sky in all caps like that is a type of vodka. So, Oh, I did not. Um, I was actually wondering about that. So thanks for sharing. Yeah. So I was trying to play on the word shot and on the word down throughout the poem, um, which I noticed the, the Poets Respond poem you chose for Tuesday um, also played on mm -hmm. that. Yeah, shot down yeah. and I, I really appreciate that <laughs> um so I'll, i hope i won't butcher the pronunciation i like i said very new to french but um i'll i'll read it the best i can and i called it uh la presage which um is not exactly a harbinger but sort of uh -huh. let's see if i can remember how to say it <laughs> tiré du ciel arctique nous avons abattu cette menace a déclaré le président. OK. Des clichés du ciel arctique, disant certains, sont suffisamment risqués. Mais la paranoïa nos faces, une dose de sky arctique, nous avalons cette menace. Ah, very interesting. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. A triolet back in the French, where where I guess triolets belong, right? And that's that is also why I was trying to do it. Um, this porqué um, is it sounds like Spanish mm -hmm. um, because normally in, in French it would be pourquoi. But what I wanted to do here is because I couldn't get the rhymes exact, I wanted to go with I rhyme. So, artique ends in Q U E. Um, porque risque ends in Q-U-E. So they're different sounds when you mm -hmm. read them, but I at least was trying to preserve some kind of the form. So I, I went for that I rhyme. And um, you can actually use porque spelled this way in French. It just means like, so what instead of why. <laughs> Interesting, um, yeah. So it's not, I didn't completely butcher it. Um, <laughs> I, I, I know what I was doing there, sort of. Um, and then... Uh, it says rouge uh, no face, so uh, faces. Mm -hmm. I think that's a word, like there is a word in French, like visage, um, that they use for face. But I think this is one of those words where some French people use it as if it's a French word, even though they know it's an English word mm. and just change the sound of it. Um, so that's what I was, that's again how I sort of broke a rule but did it intentionally. <laughs> <laughs> well, very, very interesting for sure. Thanks for sharing that all, Caitlin. It's great to see you again. Thanks for letting me. Yeah, you guys yeah. Uh, have a good one. Hopefully we'll see Kwame here in a bit. Yeah, I hope so. Thanks a lot. Take care. Yep. Okay, that was Caitlin Buxbaum with uh, a couple a couple translated poems. I, I didn't ask how many languages Caitlin uh, works at, but that's impressive. Let's go next to, um, let's go to Carla Schwartz. 
Hi. Hi. Wow, hey, Carla. How are you doing? I'm doing well, thanks. Um, yeah, that was quite amazing, those translations, um, translating your own work. Um, anyway, so I have a prompt poem that I sent. Uh-huh. Yeah, I have it right here. Yeah, Winter Anxieties, okay. right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And let me get it up. Okay. So it's – and I read what I thought were the rules. I think it was on <laughs> Michael Dillon Welch's – Welch's uh, site that said that you're supposed to have at least four in the link. Oh, that's uh, interesting. And, okay. Uh-huh. Um, and so anyway, so this is called Winter Anxieties. Okay. Arctic blast, anxiety, frozen pipes, colonoscopy, preparations, anxious pipes, warm February, melting ice, anxious skaters, Anxious fingers, Valentine, hand warmers. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> can re- it's been so cold here this winter that I can relate. Our pipes broke, what, two weeks ago, I think. And, you know, we had no hot water and it actually sprayed once it, it's it just once it, once the pipes unfroze, it sprayed hot water all over me. That was a fun shower in the downstairs. Um, yeah, thanks for sharing that. Uh, really interesting use of that form. I, I really love the repetition. I think it's fun to, to link haiku this way. I do too. That sort of adds, it sort of makes rhyme when there is no rhyme, you know? Yeah, it definitely does. Um, So I I sent a link to, on my Twitter feed, um, one other poem, uh, which is, came out in a, what is uh, a a New Hampshire poetry anthology called Uh Smoky Quartz. And this one is called Spider. Yeah, let's go ahead and hear that too. Why not? Right. Okay. With... A quick glance, you might think I'm just brown, but in truth, I have black spots on my back, which, but in truth, I have black spots on my back, which has three shades of brown with a bit of yellow. Don't look too close, though. I might form, I might feign recluse, and then bite you on your way on your and then bite you on your nosy nose i do like it here alone working sorry walking you call it i call it push pulling along your wall hoping for a bit more warmth as i approach the outside view pain i wish i had a special power to go right through to the field and trees beyond. The light is fat today. Under my belly, I feel a rubbery caulking. I feel the rubbery caulking, but I have so much to do. I know you see me here at the edge of the frame, thinking of ways you could crush me just going about my day-to-day, hoping for a fresh gnat to nosh on. I settle for these old crusts of juice, hardened to the glass from when you were, from when you went full teeth into that grapefruit last month. I don't want to pretend I'm not afraid, but I pretend you are not there And maybe I, your first spider of spring, will remind you that I could be an incarnation of your mother, 
and you will leave me be. Yeah, good advice. Yeah, we haven't had any spiders in a while because uh, it's so cold. <laughs> but yeah, that comes in. So the way the poems tie together, I can't wait for the first spider now that I'm thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this was obviously a persona poem. Okay. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah, very cool. Thanks so much for sharing that, Carla. It's always a pleasure. Yep. Yep. Take care. It was Carla Schwartz with two poems that was uh, from California Quarterly, Spider. And then she also shared her prop poem, which uh, was called Winter Anxieties. I mean, if you're watching now, we're, uh, this is Rattlecast number 181. We're hoping to have Kwame Dawes. He uh, has not appeared yet. And this is the 610 mark. So the theory that he might have the time zone wrong is uh, proving incorrect. Um, let's see. Okay, so he won't. Let's see. Uh, something came up, and Kwame Dawes is not going to be here. I just got an email one minute ago. So uh, something came up. Kwame Dawes will reschedule him for the future. We will just continue the uh, open lines for tonight. Um, you know, stuff happens, so don't worry about it. Kwame, we'll get back to you, of course. Um, you know, next time there's an opening on the schedule, probably in April. We'll see if we can get that done. That's the next time we have openings. Let's see, but let's keep going on the open lines because open lines are always fun anyway. We'll make this just an open line show. So Rattlecast number 181, now officially the open lines episode. Um, and so if you have any poems you want to share, I'll put this again because we'll just spend as much time as we want on the open mic. Um, if you'd like to share any poems, email them to open mic. That's open M-I-C at rattle.com. And then I will, uh, well, I already did post the um, the link to the Zoom on the chat window on Facebook and YouTube. So find that on uh, the chat windows on Facebook and YouTube. Go to uh, the Zoom there and join us. Email your poem to openmic at rattle.com first so I can show it on screen. If you have a couple poems you want to share, if you want to have a book you want to talk about, a favorite poem you want to share, let's just kick back and relax and enjoy poetry for the next whatever, however long we want. Um, let's see. And let's go back to the uh, open lines. And let's go to uh, Sharon Ferrante is next. Unmute. Yeah, there you go. It's like magic. <laughs> Good to see you, Sharon. How are you doing tonight? Oh, I'm doing great. Thank you. I I'm sorry you didn't get your guest on there. Well, well you know, it's 181 episodes. It was bound to happen sometimes. I always thought that I would just, you know, kill time and make an open line show if it ever happened. And so, you know, it, it, life well, comes up. It's been four years almost of these shows. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, stuff happens. But we have... There's just no, I, there's no end to poetry though. So it's <laughs> that's right. Yeah, we, we're we're on here. We're doing it. Yeah, um, I did the haku sequence. Uh huh. Um, but uh, yeah, first I started with one word. Uh huh. Starting them all, and then I changed it, and then I did the renge, the renge style, like everybody. I started with the 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 last line and went into the next one. Okay, yeah, that's a good way to do it. There was no restriction. There was no rule. I just let it go however yeah. you wanted to. And I just repeated the same the same line every time to make it easy on myself. Yeah, well, I took the last line. Mm -hmm. It's called the Ranga, I think. Yeah, yeah I don't know the uh, the different forms of variable. I was talking to Michael <laughs> after the show because I, I tried to stumble through what to call what I was asking people to do, and I didn't know. But <laughs> I, there's, 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 a ways, there's a few ways to do it. On my Deli Haku page uh -huh. that I'm on, they do the Ranga. And they take the last line from somebody else's poem mm -hmm. and start a new one. 
So I, th- I said, you know what, let me do that because the other one I did didn't work out. But <laughs> and, and normally I don't do sequins. If I do, I usually take them apart because I love the magic of one haku. Mm-hmm. That just like one haku, a really good one standing there all by itself. Yeah. So I don't normally do. Yeah, I tend uh, to agree, to be honest. But, yeah. But if I do, I pick them apart. <laughs> so I'll read my sequence. And the first one, like I said, I take them out. It's been published today. Ah. In uh, in uh, Five Fleas, Itchy Poetry. Oh, that's really cool. Congratulations. Yeah. yeah. I started with this, and then I, I pick them apart and take them out. Yeah. I'll read. Thank you. Okay. Lovers in fresh-cut grass, the sting of red ants. The sting of red ants, a love letter in the wind. In the wind, she holds his wizard beard. His wizard beard reaches the hill below. Below her pink fedora, a blush. Oh, that was great. Yeah, thanks so much for sharing that, Sharon. And how, how I always wondered how much experience in haiku you have, because your poems tend to be minimalist anyway. Are you a, a big haiku fan for a long time? I've been writing haku for about two years. Ah, mm-hmm. And when I started writing it, I'm like, yes, because I like to keep my thoughts really tight. You know, uh-huh. I love that just boom, you know, I'm not a long poem writer. And so when I discovered haku, I'm like, woo, yeah, so I love it. <laughs> and yeah. then the Charita, which is the sixth line poem that I love and that's like an extended haku so yeah I just love haku about two years I've been writing haku uh-huh. yeah well great it really does fit your style perfectly so I'm glad you found it and and are enjoying it thank- oh yeah I am I love I love haku thank you so much <laughs> yeah thanks as always Sharon okay. yep thank you that was uh, Sharon Fronte with his haiku sequence lovers I guess you could call it um let's go next to uh guy chambers hi tim hey guy how you tonight not too bad yeah i wrote one of the uh, prompt poem here i actually enjoyed it because you know like it did what we, michael did i was just you know one line in each one and i had fun with it working with it i had a few more i could have uh, put down but uh i just this is not too sure how it's going to work uh-huh. and all that too. So let's go. But I like writing these small ones there and that too. Yeah, I know so. you do too. Yeah, haiku is yeah. a great form for you as well. Yeah, I just then had to figure out the first line. How am I going to do it? What am I going to do with it? You know, and so I came up with the the line I got here. So this is my poem called Dime. Burl, dime. Kites win. A helping hand. Burl dime, cobbler's men, a step into life. Burl dime, voice felt, soil to the earth. Burl dime, gardener's thoughts, a daisy in touch. Burl dime, warped word, 
neither for awkward meaning. Very cool. Thanks so much for that. It was Dime, uh, the borrowed Dime repeating throughout the haiku. Excellent. As always, Guy, thanks so much for sharing that. Uh, okay. Thank yeah. you. Bye. Yeah, always a pleasure. That was Guy Chambers with uh, Dime from the prompt. Uh, next up, let's go to um, Nishama Waller. Um, and I think, let's see, might not have the poem. You don't have the poem, That's Tim, all, because- that- I didn't get the email address right. and um, That's all right. No worries. About it. We can just listen, though. It's always fun to listen to. Yeah, it was just I haven't been writing for some time, and this was good for me to get started. So I did a few haiku. Oh, that's great. Uh, you know, the truth is I didn't write poems for so long. I, I just uh, sort of got out of the, the habit of having fun with it. And then having the Rattlecast prompt every week made me made me enjoy writing poems again and have somewhere to share a poem and you'd write one every week and it's a lot of fun so i hope you join in and uh, and keep doing it but let's hear what you've got this week yeah all right i love it and being with a poetry community yeah. i've been doing lately okay here's so here's just a few i could um so I, I will say that I mostly lived in Maine. I mostly live in Maine, way, way in the country, and now I'm in New York City. So that affects this haiku. Um, full moon above, cabbage soup and yogurt. A president speaks. Empty, silent streets. Full moon, still and far. City lights, red, green, red. Celebrate the moon. Small paquet of madeleines, empty, silent streets. Red tulips open. Dip madeleine in tea. Pale filtered moonlight. No stars tonight. Cold wind, pale lights across the bed, red tulips, their hearts. Oh, that's great. I love that. Perfect poem for for this week, too. Thanks so much for sharing that. That was great. I'm so glad you got back into writing again and, and got something out that you could share. Yeah, I, I, I'm glad. And, 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 you know, it's really about what happened in Turkey and Syria. Oh, yeah. I realize it's very abstract. (laughs) (laughs) But somewhere that's my way of at least right now writing about it. Thank you. Well, that's great. I'm glad you could. Yeah, yeah. I hope you could join us again. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, and again, that was uh, Nishama Waller with a haiku sequence. Next up, let's go to Deb T. Hi, Tim. Hey, Deb. How are you tonight? I'm doing all right. How about you? <laughs> I'm good. It's it's sort of interesting to have uh, it's just an open-ended open lines for once. Um, yeah, so, kind of going with the flow. Yeah, you might as well. Uh, and we have like more viewers than we normally do at this point in the show. So that's <laughs> that's actually not bad. And again, if anybody wants to share a poem, feel free. We're just kicking back and sharing some poems. Uh, even if you want to share someone else's poem, uh, feel free to, if you love a poem, share it. Uh, hop on the Zoom at the uh, at the uh, pinned links that I've provided. But uh, so, Deb, what do you have for us tonight? Well, I've been enjoying everyone's poems. I um, have something that I wrote a while back, but it it isn't haiku, but it's short linked <laughs> things, and there's some linking in it, and there's some haikuness in it. So I thought I'd read it. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, that really fits. Yeah, let's hear. Okay. It. 
It's called Sleight of Hand. Okay. And uh, it's a true story from March 9th, uh, 2021 in Colorado. (laughs) Bright sun massages with gentle fingers, all softens and shifts. Old snow hides in shade, untouched by fingers. Spring will grab it soon. Sunshine spreads wider. Snow by high fence thins. Bare feet greet bare earth. Icy wind slaps hard. Feet flee indoors. New snow flies. Oh, that's very cool. Yeah. So, yeah, that's interesting. It, it's haiku like, um, <laughs> a little different. Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. What, what do you call that? Is there a, a way or a phrase for what you're doing there? No, I just, oh, you know, actually, I had gotten a prompt. I forgot this till you asked me. Uh-huh. And it had to do with um, counting syllables, I think. And uh-huh. I, although I ended up probably varying it, but I think I, I had like, um, five syllables in each line or something like that yeah it kind of um, seemed like it yeah it yeah, yeah yeah I, i'd forgotten that part but yeah yeah it's five every time it is yeah so that must be it okay <laughs> very interesting well thanks a syllabic haiku-ish poem sleight of hand by dev tannenbaum thanks so much yeah. dev it's great talking to okay. you thank you yep. good night okay that was dev tannenbaum with a sleight of hand Next, let's go to um, Bishwajit Mishra. Hi, Tim. Hi, everybody. Hey, yeah, great to see you. How are you today? Yeah. Yeah, I've been away for some time. You have. It hasn't been as long as as Caitlin has been. It's only been like maybe three or four weeks for you, but it's good to see you again. So what do you have to share with us? I sent a, a prompt poem. And I was checking if we have time, I can send more and read it. But let me do the prompt one first. Yeah, sure. Yeah, we, we have all the time in the world, I guess. So, yeah. <laughs> so feel free. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I'm new to haiku, so I I, I did it the way I understand it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, well, it's always fun to try new things and experiment. That's, that's yeah. why I, I didn't write haiku at all until I started trying it. And then <laughs> it's actually pretty fun. So let's hear it. Yeah. So it's called Doors. Nascent sun rises, green host lies uncoiled from spool, moon vies with magpie. Nascent sun rises, colors lent as parting gifts, books rustle dropping. Lone pines wait in trance, colors lent as parting gifts for the birthday bash. Lone pines wait in trance, Pine cones tire of necklaces. Kids bring sun back home. Oh, very nice. I love that pine cones tire of necklaces line. That's a great line. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. Thank you. Thank you. And actually, this poem I have written in two ways. One is, of course, the seasons. Uh-huh. And the second is about the life of a human life mm-hmm. or stages in life. Yeah. So when I end with three dots there at the end, we call it ellipsis or what? Mm-hmm. I say the legacy takes over, uh, the cycle goes on. Uh-huh. So that's what I meant to say. <laughs> yeah, well, perfect. Well, well said. Thanks for sharing that doors, uh, Mr. Thank Thanks so much. So can I read another? Or can I? Um, send yeah. It do, you, do you want to send it? Just stay on and send another, and, and come back. Sure. 
Okay. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Let's go. We'll, we'll, we'll pause it for Miss Widget and we'll go to um, Karen Marker next. <clears throat> Hello. Hey, Karen. How you doing Hi. tonight? Hi. I, I'm. Um, wow. <laughs> this is a, a bonus to have all this time hearing all this reading. It is it. We don't have to rush, which usually yeah. we are kind of rushing Whoa. through the open lines, making sure we get as it's many great. people in as possible. But now it. just stretch out and relax and have a good time. <laughs> so much good poetry. Yeah. So um, I don't know if you want me to read again. I On the um, critique on Friday, last mm-hmm. Friday, I read my haiku. Oh, secret. definitely. Yeah. But yeah. You want me to read it? Again? It was a good. Yeah, I liked it a lot. Okay. I did. Well, <clears throat> I'm going to read this um, tomorrow. Uh-huh. It's a funeral for my friend Susan Felix, who is the art ambassador of Berkeley, California, an amazing person. So in honor of her right now, mm-hmm. I'm going to share this haiku sequence. And I really thank um, <clears throat> Michael Dylan Welsh for his inspiration. It was an incredible lesson. Yeah, yeah, it definitely was. If anybody missed that episode, one uh, one eighty, it would have been. Go back and and watch that one with Michael Dylan Welch. But but yeah, let's hear. It. We saw this on the critique of the week, yeah. and it's a it's a really touching poem. And and I'm so sorry for your loss that you have to read it tomorrow. But I'm so glad you have a poem that you can share. I don't know if I'll share it tomorrow, oh, okay. but I'm glad I get to share it with you all today. Yeah. Okay. Um, haiku for Susan, <clears throat> and it's a sequence. So it's full hunger moon slices open the sky. Squeezed blood orange. Squeezed blood orange drops red on my tongue at news of her death. At news of her death, the mornings covered with early blossoms. With early blossoms, not snow, this day, the dance. The dance how she stays amazed through last breath. Yeah. Haiku for Susan. Very touching. Yeah. Thanks so much for sharing that, Karen. And then you have another one too. Yeah. And I have this next one I want to share. Mm-hmm. Um, was inspired to a ekphrastic class through <clears throat> the MoMA in New York. They have a writing club. And this was a wonderful lesson <laughs> by a, a poet named Anna East Duplan, mm-hmm. um, who's a teacher at Bennington College. And it was looking at an artwork and writing about, uh, thinking about polychromatic time. I'd never thought of that sense of time. Time that's lingering, the, the subtext was lingering, loitering, and whittling, whittling away. And it it's ekphrastic. So I'm writing mm-hmm. to a picture. I gave a link to that picture with a, with the poem, but I don't know if you can okay. share that. <clears throat> I don't think I have a link. Uh, the link is at the bottom of the poem. Oh, so the, oh there it is. Yeah, on, wait, if yeah. you push that link, it will come up. Yeah, so you, either this. you can listen to my words or look at the picture <laughs> or both. Yeah, <laughs> this is a photo of, a, of a two girls on a couch sleeping. Uh, this is a, photo, uh, a painting by Noah Davis, um, Oil on Canvas at the MoMA. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> This stretching out together of bare brown legs, a curved spine for a pillow, looks like belonging. A room of muted beige drips cool color with a bit of red upon two who could be sisters, lovers, mother, daughter. They repose fully dressed on a sofa, 
unoccupied shoes by their side, their need for sleep greater than the dinner that still needs cooking, the bills unpaid, their need for the support of each other's backs greater than their need for beds. No eyes open, no one views the world outside the darkened window. Maybe a baby rests somewhere on the other side. A man partly covered melts away, book open, unfinished dreams. Anything could happen. The white knob waits on the door, not turning. No one knocks. Yeah, great. That's an excellent poem and good ekphrastic uh, poem to share. Um, Quiscence. And uh, I love the short, you know, the, the lines that, that how tight and controlled and short they were. And, and they really, they're punchy and good. Thanks for sharing that, Karen. Thank you. Yeah. That's Karen Marker with uh, two poems. Lex, let's go. Um, let's go to Kashiana Singh next. Hi, Tim. Can you hear me? I can. Yeah. Great to see you. I uh, see we see your picture, but that's good. Uh, good to see you, Kashiana. <laughs> good to see you as well, Tim. Uh, I sent you a poem just a little while ago, and this is a bonus night. Huh? It's yeah, been definitely so is. Much we fun. might as well. I've always thought about having just an open lines night sometime, and then somebody right. wants to rush through them, and, and now now we get it's it by accident. Great. It's so like that's a perfect. party. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so what what do you I'm have sure you want to share? What is, what is this poem? Uh, the the only thing I'll share is the, the poem speaks for itself, but it's uh, it's a collection I'm trying to build, uh, which is about the first year as a child. It's uh, it's on my my grandson's birth and the one year I spent with him, mm-hmm. and using that to juxtapose the um, the expansion and the the insight into what what happens with human life. Yeah, excellent. We had, uh, is this the same uh, grandson that we had uh, that you published those poems about? Yes. Yeah, I remember yeah, that. That yeah. was great. Yeah. Um, okay, so the poem is called How to Eat a Mango Like a Nine-Month-Old. <laughs> okay. And here's how it goes. Always grab the mango pit before anyone else claims it, guaranteed laughter as well as memories stuck in your teeth. Feel the heart of a mango as you thumb it like a heart surgeon, palpitating into every muscle of the organ in his care. Touch it from top to bottom, then bottom to top. Dig with fingertips 3,000 receptors into buttery flesh, a scavenger. Bring the mustached pit to your lips. Let it explore the eager cave of your mouth, saliva drooling into porous tastes. Shape your jaw like an O, and let the seed spill into and out, dripping itself, teasing as you squint your eyes with joy. Bathe your face, fingers, neck in succulents, unbothered because the sticky summer will live in your diaphragm, irreverent. Eat it on the floor. Spread newspapers if you wish to. Pretend to not be an adult. Triumph as you slurp into residual flesh. Roll up your sleeves. Lengthen your arms as you scrape at its ripeness, a fragrant golden, oozing decadence, palms gripping. 
Remember, you never know when you are done. Practice a pause, then unrepentantly thread the magic in your hands. In between, after starting, before finishing, think of synthesis, photosynthesis, earth in full fibrous pump, a muscular kernel. Stay with it. Everything is about the body and earth. Grasp the remains of mangoes. Let its ridges imprint into your uh, into your palms. Oh, that was great. Great advice for everybody from a uh, nine-month-old there. And uh, I, I can't help but think that maybe as an Ars Poetica, too. A uh, good, good way to tackle a poem. Yeah. The way that that uh, nine-year-old, nine-month-old tackles the mango. That's wonderful. Absolutely. That's what's going on there. But thank you. I'm, I'm hoping... Uh, I find something for the collection. It's called Witching Hour. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, well, have you any on for the, one of those short segments when the book comes out, whenever it does? Yes. Thank yeah, you. Very Thanks, cool. Tim. Yeah, it was great to hear you uh, from you. Thanks, bye. Kashiana. Yep, bye. That was Kashiana Singh with uh, How to Eat a Mango Like a Nine-Month-Old. Let's see. Next, we will go to who is next? So I think we're going to go back to just <laughs> we still have 15. So everyone's jumped on, which is great. We still have 15 participants left. So let's just stick to one poem each at this point. And um, let's go next to, um, let's go to Stephen Delora, another first time uh, caller, I believe. Yes, that's hey. correct. Yeah, great to I see you, Stephen. Was, yeah. Hi, Timothy. Yeah. Thank you, for, thank you for putting me on. I appreciate it. I have, a, I have a touch of a cold, not COVID. I've been tested three times. Uh-huh. So, uh huh. Can I, if I, if I pull up this poem on my screen, is it going to block my no, camera? No, you pull up the poem and I show the poem that you sent. So we're all good either way. So we're both good both ways. So you pull it up and read it. Go ahead. Okay. This is Alphabets. It is a sonnet. Yeah. I always love to uh, see sonnets. Definitely. And it is a sonnet. It is a form that I use that was imparted to me by a woman who I've come to think of as the poetry rich and witch in uh, Berkeley, California, about, oh, geez, I can't, 1978, 45 years ago? Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Uh, and the first line rhymes with the 12th, the second with the 11th, etc., etc. to get a couplet at the middle and a traditional couplet at the end. This is called Alphabets. Alphabets? Abstract symbols showing sounds, then strung together, arranged to create words explaining notions beyond pictures, imagination, spirit, gas, magic, wisdom. The list goes on, the world better, able to tell things to one and other beyond simple, like brother or mother. Thank you, each alphabet, every letter. Illiteracy is truly tragic. Alphabets are alchemical mixtures, spells which define and do not deviate. Ones wrapped in thoughts of language that surrounds. Alphabets, words, language are like a trail leading to a coast where stories set sail. Uh, thanks so much for sharing that. I always enjoy um, a sonnet. 
And I haven't, believe it or not, as a former molecular biology major, I never thought of letters as elements and then, you know, you know, words as molecules. That's actually a really great, great way to think about a language that, that never occurred to me. Thanks so much for sharing that. That was uh, Steve yeah. DeLauro. Thanks, Steve. Oh, I thank, ask, where, you. Where, where are you calling from? I forgot to say. I'm, uh, well, I li- I'm in New York right now. I live here and in Dublin. Yeah. Oh, very cool. Well, so glad you could join us and hope you do again sometime soon. Thank you. Yeah, I've been watching for a couple of weeks, and I, I'm sorry I didn't write. Uh, uh, I have written haiku over the years, but I, I, I just didn't do the prompt. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's all right. Well, we'll do the prompt for next week. But great to see you, Steve. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. Take care. Bye. Yeah, let's get that with Steve uh, Deloro with uh, Alphabets. And uh, let's go to Eric Campbell next. Yeah, hit the unmute there, Eric. There you go. Hey. Hey, yeah, good to see you. So Eric, of course, was on a good friend of mine. He was on Rattle, uh, Rattlecast around like 80-ish, maybe, like a good almost two years ago. He's so, doing uh, amazingly well. Yeah, yeah. Well, how have you been? What, what have you been up to? Oh, you know, uh, living the dream, <laughs> slaying the dragon. Yeah, exactly. No. So, uh, <laughs> okay. Well, I have uh, a Swedish person. Hold on. Uh-huh. Uh, we talked a few days ago, right? Uh, although, you know what? Should I do the impressive backdrop of my bookshelves to make it seem more uh, poignant? I think last time you were here, you were on a couch smoking and smoking. <laughs> and with a, uh, yeah. With a, with a cigarette smoke wafting around you like uh, deep insight. That, that's true. Like John Carpenter movies. Exactly like John Carpenter movies. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, now that we're live, uh, I can say, uh, uh, those of you who know Halloween, the original, uh, there's a, the, the famous scene when Jamie Lee Curtis sees Michael Myers. Actually, she does, well, she does, and then uh, uh, Nancy Loomis rounds the corner and says, oh, look, here's another uh, boyfriend you scared away, right? You can see a waft of smoke so clearly. Uh-huh across uh jamie lee curtis's face and that's because john carpenter's two feet away <laughs> and, that's funny yeah yeah and they didn't edit it out because you know that's what you have and you have three hundred thousand dollars to film with but this is a uh maybe you guys know him uh thomas Tra- uh ton stromer he's apparently the i don't know what he would be the jack gilbert of sweden mm-hmm and it's a poem called The Half-Finished Heaven. Yeah, let's hear it. Yeah, so it's not me, but anyway, he's amazing. Uh, despondency breaks off its course. Anguish breaks off its course. The vulture breaks off its flight. The eager light streams out. Even the ghosts take a draught, and our paintings see daylight. Our red beasts of the Ice Age studios, everything begins to look around. We walk in the sun in hundreds. Each man is a half-open door, leading to a room for everyone. The endless ground under us. The water is a shining among the trees. The lake is a window into the earth. Oh, that is great. How, how much do you know about Transformer? Because I don't know much myself. Uh, it's Barney, a name. It's one of those names. I've read a few poems. Uh, I know he's well known, and I should know better. 
discovered him 10 years ago because of the Kenneth Branagh TV show on BBC. I think it was called Wallander. And he wrote that, I mean, I'm sorry, he read that poem at someone's funeral. Hmm. And at first I thought it was not a real person. I thought maybe Branagh wrote it himself, you know. But yeah, I mean, you talk about, in fact, there's no concrete imagery there right he's i mean imagine a frozen pond well <laughs> that's anybody's you know pond uh-huh. I, I was just blown away i mean given that you have kind of a haiku theme going on here uh and your guest didn't show i thought that might be fun yeah, well, that was so glad he could could share that, Eric. And I'm gonna. Yeah. Will you on live on the air write say that you will write a poem next week and share it next week? Done and done. You have a week. You got to write a poem this week. That's your right. assignment. <laughs> There'll be three lines, but you got it. All you, right. Okay. Well, if it's three lines, that's three better lines than we had before. So. Uh, <laughs> I I've appreciated watching. Uh, have a good night, man. Yeah, you too. And and definitely gonna hold you to that. You better be here next week. I will. Okay. By, a week, by a week, you mean seven days, right? I mean seven days and, and, and minus two hours or something like that. Yeah. Got it. Got All it. Right. Yep. All right. Cool. All right. Well, see you then. Thanks, man. Yep. See you. Take care. That was Eric Campbell reading a, a Transtromer poem. Um, one of those, there's so many poets that I wish I knew more and I wish I didn't spend so much time reading submissions so I could uh, investigate. And that's, that's one of, uh, you know, a pantheon of poets that I, that I, my knowledge of is paltry. Let's go next to Nate Jacob, whose knowledge is never paltry. Ha ha. Hey, Nate, how you doing? <laughs> I'm doing okay. How you doing? I'm doing good. So what do you got for us tonight? I uh, wrote a, well, I actually reworked a uh, haiku string I wrote for an acrastic challenge ah. at some point last year or so. See, the, the thing about um, the acrastic challenge, there once a month, there are 500 poems. We've been doing it for 10 years. So that's 10 times 12 times 500, which yeah. is some number that I can't do right now in my head. So you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> I'm saying there's a lot of poems out there that people could repurpose <laughs> and rework and that we're pushing forward a whole bunch of uh, creative yeah. imagination with those things. I love the challenge. It's awesome. <laughs> so uh, haiku along the way. So so which 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 uh, picture was this? Do you remember? It was the flock of seagulls. Uh-huh. I, I attached it to the bottom of my poem. <sighs> I don't know if it'll... Okay. See, everybody, I don't scroll far enough, apparently. So here this, okay. this is, I don't remember who the uh, photographer was, but everybody watching can see this and will probably remember writing a poem themselves about this uh, flock of seagulls and the man in black, uh, the silhouette a, of someone in the middle of this swarm of seagulls. Yeah. It was a good, it was a good challenge that month, <laughs> but I uh, made the mistake of trying to write haiku about it and I am no haiku <laughs> writer. Well, I you, like to use a lot of words. Well, you were, but now after last week's episode... Yeah. You are. I'm an expert. <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> okay, let's hear this one. All right, this is haiku along the way. Seagulls are breadcrumbs scattered to winter sky. Nothing marks my way. Flocks provide cover. Heaven strains to glimpse me, finding my way. What goals don't know, they invent. News spreads fast. Birds mark the way. Avian shadows, cacophonous word travels, calling out the way. Flock and singles fly. Horizons are lost paths. Let quiet be the way. 
That is that is really cool. I love the repetition in the haiku sequence. Like I loved it when I'm, when Michael Dylan Walsh does it. There's something about the way that the word like transforms every time you hear it a little bit. Yeah. There's some kind of magic to that. That's really neat. Yeah, that was a good. I like one. the uh, what's it called semantic satiation. You you almost get to the point where the word stops having any meaning for semantic it. Semantic satiation. Like that. Wow, that that is way over my head, Mister well, Jacob. No, it's not. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> that is really cool, though. Yeah, I got it. That, that's exactly what it is. The the, the semantic satiation. That, that yeah. yeah, I am full of that word. <laughs> well, enjoy. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, thanks, Nate. Thanks a lot. Yep, that was Nate Jacob with Haiku Along the Way. We got a few more people on the line still. Carolyn Cod is up next. Hey there, Carolyn. It's kind of choppy. Let's see. Well, it's not working. Let's go instead. We'll come back, Carolyn. Oh, there you are. Are you working? Yeah. Okay, there you are. Um, I think it's not working. Oh. Yeah, let's uh, maybe disconnect and like reconnect and we'll come back to you. Sorry about that. Okay. Oh, wait, here you are now. Let's see it. Oh, oh now you can hear me? Yeah, we can hear you now. It's very soft, okay. though, but we can hear you. Oh, all right. Well, <laughs> um, this is a poem. It's been kind of on my mind for quite a while. Um, and with all the trouble and turmoil that's going on around the world, I thought I'd sit down and write something that's a little lighter and, and get this poem out that I've been thinking of. Um, it's called Self-Portrait with Cat and Cello. Okay, yeah, let's, uh, let's hear it. I have it up whenever you're ready. Go ahead. Okay. There's a portrait of me. In it, I'm sitting in a rocking chair embracing a cello. On the floor beside me sits a Siamese cat. This portrait exists only in my mind. It's been there since I was quite young. Parts of it have materialized. I've had a Siamese cat, too, in fact. They lived good, long lives before their demise. I have a rocking chair, too, in fact. One, a beautiful bentwood rocker made by Thonet, my favorite chair. The other, a sturdy antique inherited from my grandmother. However, I have never played the cello. I did play the violin for many years, but always loved the mellow sounds of the cello. Twice I have had the opportunity to embrace that instrument. The second time, after a friend played a concerto especially for me, he let me hold his cello. It was exciting to hear the sounds and feel the vibrations while stroking a few notes. Now, of course, I know one can't really play the cello when seated in a rocking chair. The Siamese cat sitting beside me, that's okay. No matter, the portrait still exists, just as it's been for all this time. Oh, that was wonderful. I love that image of playing the cello in the rocking chair. Thanks so much for sharing that, Carolyn. That was great. Thank you. Yep, have a good night. Yeah, Karen Cobb with self-portrait with cat and cello. And that was, imagine a cello in a rocking chair. Okay, let's go to Mike Bales next. Good evening. Um, hey, yeah, hey, Mike, how I are you doing? Pretty good. Um, I was doing a book signing at Galesburg, so uh, from my latest book primarily, actually my last two books. Ah, congratulations. A, there's a nice bookstore there called The Wordsmith. Uh-huh. So it's nice. Um, I just sent it to you. Um the Rockford Writers Guild holds different poetry contests, uh -huh. and the theme was blankets. So, as a winner in their blankets contest, it appeared in this issue of the Rockford Review, which just came out. Uh -huh. The 
of a spring, fall, winter edition of the Rockford Review. It's called Blankets Held Deer. Blankets Held Deer. A blanket of grass parts like the sea as a garter snake slithers across the lawn. The garter snake feels the cool touch, the remnants of, the, of a morning rain, while blanketed by shadows cast by branches and bloom of a spreading oak. A blanket of clouds cast shadows, a moment's whisper, and they are gone. The sun blankets the neighborhood with a touch of light, a summer passage, a time before fall. People on the block bearing their age stay in small houses and rest in couches, blanketed by moments of solitude. A toddler holds deer, a worn blanket, a mother's love, as he wanders alone and looks for a cover of stars. Yeah, very cool poem. Yeah, great images in that. That was um, blanket held deer. And okay. what the what are the name of the what's the name of the book that uh, that you were reading? It's a magazine by the Rockford Writers Guild, the Rockford Review. The Rockford they have Review. two issues come out: fall, winter, and uh, uh, summer, fall. Very cool. So, it's just it's always amazing how many uh, literary magazines there are that publish poems, and it's great to see that it's one. A, it's a good group. They've been around since 1947. They're kind of a post World War. Two thing. I think their first magazine had another title. Uh-huh. I've been affiliated with them since '98. Um, in the summer, it's the main home for my published short stories mm-hmm. uh, ever since '98, except one year I did kind of a true life thing. Uh-huh. So uh, they used to have great galas, but now it's all kind of done virtually. And the president is like in Oregon, she's not in Rockford. Uh-huh. So all the meetings and stuff are virtual. They're a good group. Yeah, very cool. Well, glad you got that, Mike, and uh, thanks for sharing the poem. I'll have to go in a bit, but thanks for having me on. I just saw this and emailed it to you. Yeah, yeah, very cool. Thanks, Mike. Always a pleasure. Okay, thanks. Yep, take care. So Mike Bales with uh, Blankets Held Deer. Mark Grinier's here next. We've got a few cu- few people left on the open lines here. Mark Grinier. Hi, Tim. How's it going? It's going good. We were juggling this show, having fun. Uh, what, do you, what do you got to share with us? Um, I sent uh, a haiku sequence. It doesn't exactly answer the, the prompt, and then uh-huh. I have another poem that's uh, I've had around for a while. Uh, yeah, I've sure, given it a... Let's do both, yeah. Okay. Uh, the haiku sequence I've given a title, Day, Days Light a Slant. Okay. Days light a slant, bright distances overhead, birds zooming in, meet. Announced their intent with territorial complaints, recovered conceit, flitting and flocking. They are bright winter voices, ignoring the light. Dusk and darkness climbs, surmounting the green hills. Night falls, slant of light. Yeah, yeah, great lines in that. Very interesting. Days light a slant. Mark Grinier. And then what's the other one that we have? It's called Escaping the Light. And it's... It's uh, in uh, my version of William Carlos Williams's triadic, uh, you know, uh, uh, foot uh-huh. that he that he used late in his life. So yeah, I, uh, escaping the light, I step out into the cool September night, leaving the light of my safe, my modern tract house home. I step quietly across the porch, escape to the edge of darkness where. 
listening to dust descending in the fringe of the chaparral brush, I smell smoke tonight. I hear the rustle behind block walls of opossums and leaves, escaping this place or maybe just searching for a bite to eat. I remember the fire a few years gone burning these hills all week. I fear the darkness turning to heat and filled with flickering light. I'm terrified tonight of darkness calling out in me some dreadful bright delight. Oh, very interesting. That was uh, escaping the light. And can you explain that 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 foot that you mentioned, the William Carlos Williams? I, I see it like an asphodel. What is it that, yeah. exactly that he's doing? <laughs> that, that's a good question. I'm not sure anybody knows. <laughs> okay, there um, you go. <laughs> but but, but uh, uh, he was he, he he had kind of a lifelong search for what he would call the American idiom. Uh-huh. And and and. Uh, he was always fighting against, you know, the poetry, poetic forms of the past and all that. Mm-hmm. But he wanted some kind of regularity in his in his in his lines. Mm-hmm. Uh, he mostly wrote free verse, of course. Uh, and and he, around the, while he was writing Patterson in the '40s, he came across this uh, this step down triadic line uh-huh. that. He felt had a uh, what he called a variable foot. It 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 it, it uh, had a regularity while at the same time giving variation. And I, I I don't know whether really I mean most people think it's nonsense and it may be nonsense. <laughs> uh, but I I I uh, Asphodel, you mentioned the Asphodel like greeny flower and a lot of the books and pictures are the poems and pictures from Bruegel. And and uh, there's there's a lot of really wonderful poems, and I think like Asphodel is one of the best poems mm-hmm. in American poems. In English. Yeah, definitely very memorable. And, that's for sure. And 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 that's in the triadic kind of line, and there's a number of others like that. I just like the way it feels. It you know it sort of steps down, down, down mm-hmm. as you read through it, uh, and has a kind of regularity, but it's not the regularity that. You know, not the regularity of equal syllables, not the regularity of, of, of uh, uh, like iambic pentameter or something like that. Yeah, let's see. Maybe he was yeah. looking for uh, for mora to get back to the haiku. You know, maybe like a a regularity of length of sound or something. I don't know. It could be. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Interesting. It, it, uh, the reason I brought it up was because to you know, after listening to Welsh last week, which was a wonderful show, by the way, and I, I really enjoyed listening to him talk about haiku. Uh, but it struck me that, that this is kind of a, has a resemblance to haiku and this triadic line is kind of a, a haiku analog or something. I'm not sure what, but yeah. very interesting It, it is me. interesting, yeah. Some yeah, of the rule yeah. of three in there too. Yeah, yeah. Too. yeah, very cool. Well, thanks for sharing that, Mark. Definitely interesting to think yes. about. Appreciate it. Good okay. polls too. Thank you, bye. Yeah, it was Mark Grinier with uh, Escaping the Light and uh, Days Light Aslant. Who is left? Uh, we're going to go back to uh, Bishwajit Mishra for one more, like I promised. Hey, Hi, Tim. Hey, again. Yeah, good to see you again. So let's do, you sent two more, but let's just do one more because we got okay. some people I'll left. do the fun one. Okay. <laughs> we're, we're, we're just like taking a shot at myself. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So I'll read it first and I'll leave you guys to guess what I'm trying to do. It's okay. called Junk Art. Okay, let's go. I have heard a city, a newer one, has a park fed by the discarded stuff from all over, transcending walls. 
I also hear the architect came from beyond the fence, must have had a good experience with rejections, with the vengeance of Agni vying with sun, his head piled up with heaps, found useless or freed from use, and they must rattle his brain. Did he even get three elements out of five to create something that still leaves? One must have had a free fall of paints and the brush to stir and swipe on his palette and create a prism of sharp corners. That would dazzle a wee arc of a halo where a thrush would perhaps perch with a newfound voice. Excellent. Yeah, so glad you share that chunk of heart. Very fun poem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good one, Bishmajit. It's always a pleasure. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. Yep, take care. You too. Yeah, there's a second poem, Junk Art, from uh, Bishwajit, Bishra. Let's see, who is left? We have, um, still on the lines, we have Brian O'Sullivan, we have Jennifer Lee Wang, we have Brent Stauffer, and we have Tanisha Carr. Oh, and then Rob, too. I'm not sure who. Let's go to Rob. I think Rob is a first-time caller. We'll go to Rob, then we'll swing back the way we just said. And those are the people who are left. Rob, are you there? Hi, yes. Hey, Hello. yeah, who am I talking to? Rob, who? My name's Rob Harris. Uh, I live in Chicago. I actually was on... Oh, it was probably about six months ago. I did something about a favor and something about, I think it was Matt Gates involved, something like that. Oh, it I... was, uh, and then I tried to do a second one and I had all kinds of technical difficulties and couldn't find my phone. And that was very frustrating, but this, this was, I want to say at least six months ago, probably. Yeah. Well, I'm so glad you, you found it and could do it this time. Nice. So what do you have this week to share with us? Uh, well, I did, uh, I wrote a, uh, poetry respond, uh, mm -hmm. based upon, the response to the State of the Union address, uh, which left me feeling very uh, angry. I was very offended and insulted by Sarah Huckabee Sanders and uh, her duality, her um, decision that all of America now is either normal or crazy. Hmm. And I thought to myself, this this can't go unanswered. This, this simply has to be uh, replied to. Yeah. So uh, yeah. I wrote something very short, sent it in. Um, it's... Uh, it's not a haiku, but uh, it it uh, it gets at the point of I I, I couldn't let what she said go uh, unanswered. Uh -huh. So uh, let me I'm going to pull it up here and uh, read it if you don't mind. Yeah, go ahead. And thank Nor you for thank yeah. you for putting putting me on. By the way, it's yeah, called uh, normal or crazy because that was the uh, that's the duality she set up. So it it goes like this. Should it ever come to pass where all of society falls on one side of this line or the other? Let me be the first to volunteer for the opposite side from anyone who thinks this is a good idea. You can then call my side any name you want to, but at least I'll be able to live with myself in peace. Um, I was channeling, I think, uh, Emerson and the idea of the nonconformist, the idea that... Uh, you know, I don't want to live in a world where Sarah, B. Huckabee, Sarah Huckabee Sanders decides who's normal and who isn't. And if if I'm not in her definition of normal, then I have to be crazy. Um, I think, quite honestly, that's crazy in and of itself. Yeah. So, um, I, I wrote that to address that, and I have a feeling that um, any any uh, artist, any any writer, any poet, hopefully would would uh, agree with me on this. So, yeah. Uh, Thanks. Yeah, very well put. Thanks for thank, yeah, thanks for sharing that, Rob. Yeah, I, I did watch the State of the Union. It was interesting, to, an interesting display of uh, all that's wrong with the world, I think. Uh, thanks I, for sharing I think that. You're right. Yeah, yeah, thanks <laughs> thank for sharing you. that. Normal Crazy by Rob Harris. Thanks, Rob. Thanks. All right. That was Rob Harris again with uh, Normal or Crazy 
Brian O'Sullivan is next. <clears throat> Hi, Tim. Hey, Brian. So I um <clears throat> I enjoyed trying the prompt poem. I have something <laughs> that I sent. <laughs> sort of prompt poem-ish. Oh, yeah, but I, I like the... Uh... The end that that's ends coming up looks interesting at the very bottom. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you spoiled it. No, just kidding. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah, Empty go ahead. spring. Empty spring. Snowman melts on choice cut family dines. Eggs die, family dines. Wolves howl. Wolves howl, bedeck the elm, oh, breezes and rain. Cuckoo calls, birds and leaves, bedeck the elm. Birds and leaves seek, no arms reach out. Branches empty. Yeah, that's a really interesting. I've never seen a haiku with a strike through like that. I'm sure Michael, if, is Michael still here? I'm sure he's probably has, but I've never seen that. That's very creative. That last <laughs> Probably one. for a reason, but you know. For the, for the people just listening, it says uh, branches seek empty sky, but then the seek in the sky or strike out. So he didn't read it. But yeah, that's very interesting. Thanks for sharing that, Brian. Yeah, I didn't know whether to read it or not, but yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah, that's neat. All right, it was Brian O'Sullivan with a uh, empty spring. Um, and then we have two left. I think uh, Jennifer Lee Swang is here and we get the cat cameo. Perfect timing. Hey, yeah. <laughs> hey Jen, how you doing? Hey, I'm good. Yeah. When you started early, I was still listening at work and I was like, Oh, I'm going to like rush home and <laughs> see if I can catch the tail end. So, but, uh, so um, we have a, a, a pol- so yeah, I kind of did the interpretation that like the last line became the first line uh-huh. of the sequence. And yeah. just the idea of the prompt made me so, Long story short, uh, in the the Cobalt open mics, they would uh-huh. happen sometimes after my old dancing classes. So while I'm driving home, I'd start thinking about poems. And so I started creating these things called polkus, which are haikus based on the names of pole dancing moves. Oh, interesting. And so like a sequence reminded me of linking together a choreography. So I uh-huh. took a combination that I did recently while practicing at home. Uh-huh. and try to make a poem out of it. That's it was really a little hard because I was repeating the lines, but yeah, that's <laughs> uh, that's what my polku combo is. Interesting. Yeah, let's hear it. Okay, so it's polku combo, and the, the prompt words are hood ornament, ball, sad girl drop. You hold her high, up on a pedestal, your hood ornament. Your hood ornament, their bell of the ball, feeling low. Feeling low, the prize with sad girl goes on alone. That's really interesting. So the... The hood ornament, the ball, and the sad girl drop are, are pole dancing moves? Yes. Interesting. Yeah, I can yeah, imagine I'll throw a link to the combo. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, that reminds me of the um, um, that guest on who, um, who was it? Uh, who who had to dance before the sh- the thing? You could you uh, yeah know. yeah exactly. Oh um, Emily Ruth Ruth Hazel yeah <laughs> very cool. Pole coup. That's always <laughs> always something new. <laughs> Thanks so much for sharing that, Jen. It's always a pleasure. All right, thank you. Yep. Good night. As a Jennifer Elise Wang with Polku Combo. Um, we got Brent Stoffer, uh, Tanisha Carr left, I believe. Brent Stoffer is next. Hey, Brent, you there? I think you, you might be on the Zoom's not mute, but your mic might be muted. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not getting any sound, but it's not Zoom. We'll see if you can figure it out, and we'll go back to uh, we'll go to Tanisha Carr next. Yeah, so Tanisha Carr is next. Hey, um, hey, Tanisha, how you doing? Uh, it's Tanisha. I'm good. Um, oh, Tanisha, sorry. Yeah, there's no A at the end, but um, it's a common mispronunciation. <laughs> um, I wasn't gonna send anything or 
come on, but then I saw the prompt and was like, well, I have something that's similar. So, um, so I decided to do it. It doesn't have a title. Oh, very cool. And have you joined us before? I, I know your name. You've been in the you know critique of the week things and things like that. Have you been on on the Rattlecast before? A couple times, okay. but not super regularly. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Excuse the head cold. <laughs> oh no problem. I hope you feel better soon though. Thank okay, you. So, so let's hear this this uh, okay. sequence. Pigeons fly through the Chandigarh airport cooing. Our birds indoors free. A family tree crosses continents. A willow weeps silent blood. Teardrops flood. Dampen leaves. Can't fly until severing ties. We breathe once dry. Branches flap, float, clap. In air now clean. Stress wounds heal. Woman forgotten. Forgoes roots rotten for flesh. Redwood, mud, seedling toes. Yeah, very cool. Great images unveiling themselves in that sequence. Thanks so much for sharing that, Tanish. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yep, take care. It was uh, Tanish Carr with a, a, hike, a sequence right there. And let's see if we can get Brent back with audio. Hey, Brent, do we have you now? Oh, we still don't. Oh, no. Yeah, we're not getting anything. So I'll, I'll share your poem, Brent. Don't worry, but sorry about that. I don't know what's going on. Um, something is muted or not plugged in or something. Um, but we'll find Brent's poem. Um, let's see. And that's going to be it for the, for the Zoom. So everybody on the Zoom, except for Brent, unfortunately, has read already. So we can close up the Zoom and just finish up on open lines. Where's Brent's poem? Let me look it up, Brent. Okay, here we go. This is a haiku, or a Valentine haiku. Perfect for uh, this time of year. Let's, um, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and close the Zoom. Um, this is a Valentine haiku by Brent Stauffer. And uh, we'll go like this, and we'll go like this. All right. Valentine haiku. I know I should stop smoking all the time, but look, the pear tree has bloomed. Anyway, I know I should stop drinking all night. The sun rose today. The pink petals rest over the cracked gray sidewalk. I know I should stop. Pink petals rustle as if the wind was asking bothersome questions. The wind was asking about you again. Listen, the restless sun sets. Listen to the wind. Cigarette smoke drifts along. Then, like you, it's gone. Oh, great ending. That was really cool. Not really haiku, Brent, but uh, but it's a haiku-shaped uh, poem um, in, uh, in, in uh, three-line stanzas. Thanks for sharing that. Really, really, I love that ending. And perfect for this time of, uh, of year. Let's see. We'll do a couple other poems, uh, people who sent them in. Um, oh, um, let's see. So Nivedita has her uh, core question, and I've got to remember how to do this. Let's see. Can I do it that way? Okay. No, that'll play that way. Hmm. How do I get this to play? I think I have to... 
No, that's not going to be right because it's coming out of the speakers. I don't know why. We'll try download. No. Downloading it? Download it anyway. Nivy's safe. She's not going to give me a computer virus. Okay. Um, okay, so we'll, we'll skip that. We'll wait for that to download. And we'll come back to Nivy's poem because we have, it's always nice to have her read it. And then let's go to, um, let's see, JB pen name. Well, that's pretty long. Let's, um, so we're going back to the Quora poems right now. It's a strange Quora prompt, uh, prose poem for the open mic tomorrow, written in the voice of curmudgeon who needs to clean his desk. This is a JB pen name. Yeah, it's not that long. It's a, it's a three, three paragraph prose poem. Remember last week's prompt, uh, was to answer a core question incorrectly as a prose poem. And so, um, this was a JB pen name who, um, 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 is an anonymous submitter who likes to share poems here. Let's read this. Um, what are some relatively more expensive yet relatively lightweight everyday items you can think of? I don't believe in much of that hippity, hippie crap, but maybe something like this tuning fork on my desk. You strike it up against something firm and it rings out long and soft like, fur, like a fur blanket you can only feel when you hold it close to your ear. I'm not saying it'll channel the wayward of your auras, or solve any deep chemical imbalances, but I saw one just like it at the endocrinologist's office. The doc said they use it to test diabetics for nerve damage, whack it on the formica, then hold the metal stem so the base dings in, digs in and sends vibrations into the back of your hand. If I can feel this and you can't, that's a problem, she tells me, which seems fair enough. Or take this little duck I have. It looks hand-carved, but for all I know, they machined it from particle board. It's denser than balsa. I know good balsa by the feel of it, but lighter than a hard wood should be. Holds together well enough, but there's a crack in the fibers running circles at its tawny breast, tearing where the waterline would sit if the birds sat on the water like a genuine quacker. And they mucked up the paint job, too. The white on a male ruddy duck is not supposed to extend above the eyes like that. Someone working from a template without knowing the real thing. Still, it sits nice on the hand. You can prop it with your thumb so it rears up on its tail feathers or balances on that powder blue bill, a gymnast held in place by the air. One more while I'm here. These safety gloves I brought online a while I bought online a while back. Not sure why I thought I needed these. Some kitchen accident, I think. But boy, did they cost me. The fingers are all plastered over in this orange moss and so firm you can just fit them over the hands, barely move your fingers inside. But when they came in the mail, I read they're used for picking up hypodermics and other such pokers without sustaining injury. There's a whole hierarchy of classification they use to certify which gloves are safer than which what's tough enough for grabbing broken glass and what isn't. And these orange and white puppies are the top of the charts. Useless in the kitchen, though. <laughs> That's really fun. So what are some relatively more expensive yet relatively lightweight everyday items you can think of? <laughs> I don't know. It was hard not to laugh uh, reading that poem. So um, thanks for sharing that. That was a JB pen name, whoever that might be. Um, let's see. We have a lot of uh, a lot of poems coming in here. Um, 
Oh, and Nivy had one. I was scrolled down too far. Nivy had one for, for right now too, for the haiku sequence. So let me do that too, and then let's go. Um, so this is Susan Talley, with some haiku, haiku ideas too by Susan Talley. Um, here we go. Again, this is Susan Talley. Um, oil spill in ocean, fish wrapped in newspaper. In the tall grain grass, butterflies flatter flowers, no one bats an eyelash. Haystacks cover in, covered in snow, the weight of winter solitude. The first leaves to fall, imperfect stars of late autumn, Veterans Day. Turtleneck envy, his came with a hose house. Turtleneck envy, his came with a house. That's funny. Known for clarity of vision, the family in F five D window curtains never used. <laughs> That's funny too. This is a funny haiku. Thanks so much for sharing that. Um, and once again, that was a Susan Tally with those. Always fun, Susan. Um, Katie Dozier has a haiku sequence. She sent haiku sequence goes for a stroll. So here are Katie's haiku. Haiku sequence goes for a stroll. Diamonds scattered in a park. Baseball. Wrapped around the dogwood. Bark. New leaves on a playground slide. A cloud shadow. Rain. A picnic basket brings up politics. A hot air balloon. Lightning in the park. Home run. Ah, that's great. Poems after my heart. The uh, a baseball involved uh, haiku sequence. Thanks for sharing those, Katie. That was Katie Dojo with haiku sequence goes for a stroll. Um, and next up, let me do what time we got. Let's do. Um, I saw Gail Hemmen there, and Gail uh, had to had to bail on the Zoom. But let's do that since she. I'm sure we just kind of took too long to get to her. But here's Gail Hemmen's haiku that she submitted tonight. Um, oops, not there. There we go. Life begins, 40. Winter drags into the spring. <laughs> Recess at last. Ah, excellent. Thanks for sharing that, Gail. Okay, let's do Nivy's, and I think we'll wrap it up that way. Um, yeah. Yeah, let's do that. We have a lot of, uh, yeah, let's wrap it up. It's, 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 we've gone a long, a long time with these open lines. It's great, but let's get moving. So here is Nivy's haiku sequence. And hopefully, if I can get this to work. Yeah, so this should be working. So for some reason, if I play it here, it works, and there it doesn't. But okay. So here's Nivy with her haiku sequence. I just have to remember how to do it. Okay. Um, yeah, here we go. Okay. So here are the haiku by Nivy, and here is Nivy to read them. Right, where are they? Um, can I do it this way? Let me see. If I go up here, sorry, we don't do this very often. There it is, I think that's it. No, that's not it. Hmm. 
There we go. Okay, so here's Nivy with um, her haiku sequence. Okay, here we go. Hello, my name is Nivedita, and this is my attempt at the prompt poem Fridlecast. So I attempted to write a linked haiku on the topic of, uh, loosely based on the topic of waves. So here goes. Wave after wave sings the song of peace. My soul retreats. My soul retreats, cresting wave after wave. Moments of solitude. Moments of solitude, the final minutes of a journey. Waves lap my feet. Waves lap my feet. Under the starlit dome, sailing through life alone. Sailing through life alone on waves that come crashing in. The shoreline calls me. The shoreline calls me where waves topple sand castles. My dreams bite the dust. Ah, excellent. Thank you. Yeah. Hope you enjoyed it. Have a nice day. Bye-bye. Yeah, we did. Thanks so much for sharing that, Navy. That was Navy DeCarthic with um, a haiku sequence for the prompt. And um, really excellent. I love the repetition through haiku like that. It's really fun, everyone uh, I've heard tonight. Um, we're going to wrap up the show. Um, that was um, really fun doing an extended open lines. If I didn't get to you, there's just too many to get to now. Um, let's see. You know, I'm going to do one more just because Andrea Dobrika, um, I know she's so far she can never join us. I don't want to skip that because she couldn't really Zoom. Let's do Andrea's uh, haiku and then we'll wrap it up. So this is um, Iced Thin Breath. You can see it right here. Iced Thin Breath. Iced Thin Breath, cheeks flushed, the sting of childhood lost. Winter flavors blend, iced in breath, a parting gift. The lake rests, ice thin, breath crackles the peace. We are in the blizzard, iced in, breath holds silence. Iced Thin Breath frosts your window and seen <laughs> that's cool iced thin breath thanks for sharing that andrea i think okay we're gonna wrap it up with that um yeah i just can't get to everybody else but but i appreciate everybody who's sent poems in as always um if you can join the zoom please do it's always fun it was a lot of fun to share all these poems tonight now the psyche really quickly for this week i have to find it um the psyche right here it's based on the story out of the University of Utah. And um, here we go. Get rid of these boxes here. Um, space dust as Earth sunshield. And so this is a proposal, uh, and they've done the math and the geometry of um, if, if they could fire space into one of these orbits, the, one of those stationary, it's not geostationary, it's like solar stationary orbits, but one of the places where the... Um, the, the gravity is balanced, so the dust kind of stays right there. Um, a Lagrange point, that's the word I'm thinking of, a Lagrange point. If they could blast some dust into a Lagrange point, they could shade the sun uh, and cool the Earth that way by blocking some of the solar radiation reaching Earth, and uh, which is a terrifying thing to me that anybody's even thinking about trying to do. Um, 
you know, that kind of uh, weather modification on a complex system that you don't really understand is not probably not a good idea. But it was interesting as a thought experiment, and, the, and they could reduce the, the temperature by doing this, by just sort of having a mining operation that blasts dust from the moon up into that Lagrange point between the Earth and the sun. If they did that, they could cool the planet by three degrees Celsius, which um, seems like a good thing, but it's also terrifying to me. So anyway, that is the, the story that inspired this haiku. And the haiku is this. Um, Lunar dust on the surface of the plasma TV. Lunar dust on the surface of the plasma TV. That is your Psyku for the week, and that is the show for the week. Sorry that we couldn't get Kwame Dawes on the line. He had a great reason, I'm sure, for, for not being able to make it. He sends his deepest apologies. We'll reschedule him for a future episode. I have no doubt about that. But it was really fun having an extended open line. So glad he could join me and, and share in this uh, evening of poetry. Um, the prompt for next week is going to be this. Write a poem about, or write a poem in reply to someone else's poem. So Kwame Dawes' uh, latest book is a book of poems that where he and John Kinsella talk back and forth in poems. So what I'd like you to do for the prompt next week is to write a poem replying to a different poem in the same manner. So, so find a poem that you like and that makes you think and then write a poem that replies to that so you're in conversation. Because really poetry is this sort of grand dialogue across space and time. And um, let's heighten that with some poems where we actually directly engage in dialogue. That'll be a lot of fun. That is next week's prompt. Next week's guest is going to be um, Sarah Etlinger. Um, you might remember Sarah has had poems in uh, Poetry Respond, I think, twice in the last year. A really wonderful poem. She had that dinosaur um, advertisement poem. Um, another poem about love as an intransitive verb, which is really fascinating. She has a new book, too, The Weather Gods, her third that just came out. So she's going to be the guest on Radicast number 182 with that prompt. Write a poem and reply to somebody else. That is uh, next week's Radicast number 182, Monday, February 20th at the regular time, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Hope to see you then. Hope you have a great week in the meantime, and I will talk to you later. Good night. <laughs>